0: As we can and figure out how to come out on top when this the whole thing shakes out so that's something that um i'm hoping is going to be brought up i'm, I'm very curious about uh some of our borrower clients and our other real estate investor friends and how they're finding deals because you know like when there when there's blood in the streets like there's deals to be had um and i'm, I'm curious to hear what people are going to say about that like we know mike shock who's going to be on later i think he said he put three uh jd he said he put three houses under contract this week yep Um, that is great news and people who are proactive, obviously while being safe, people who are proactive during this difficult time are going to come out ahead, right? I think that's an important part of the message for, for today's call. Um, yeah, so I'm going to jump back in a little bit later because we're going to be doing some interviews with some industry folks, but, uh, I'm going to pass it over to Ian Horwitz. Ian, you want to jump in and, uh, give some of your perspective and, and keep it moving along?
1: sure absolutely um <clears throat> for those that don't know me i'm ian from equity warehouse um our primary business is doing rental properties we have uh 134 units um 100 of them here locally in baltimore we have 34 units out in west virginia um that being said you know what we're seeing from the rental market sure there's a little pause on people moving um you know move-ins move-outs but in the grand scheme of things you know when you buy rental real estate you buy it for a reason, right? Like we bought it for a retirement plan, and for us, when we're buying them, you know, we make sure that we're buying the, you know, the value that works for us, and making sure that we have a nice straight line, steady income, gradual increases. So at times like this, when the market's jumping up and down, um, it actually works out better for us because we have that nice flat line, um, slow, nice growth, and in times like this, we're still producing income. Um, A lot of what we do in the single family space is uh, subsidized housing. I know a lot of people have been asking questions in regards to, you know, is the housing choice voucher program going to continue to make payments? Um, Are they still going to, you know, issue new vouchers? Ben Carson came uh, on one of uh, President Trump's speeches or um, rundowns to say that, everything's still status quo with the program payments are still expected to go out now each individual housing authority seem to have made their own adaptation uh adaptations to what they're doing and not doing in the ways of um inspections um being able to go to the office to fill out new vouchers um and uh you know they're still there for emergency inspections and emergency cases but it's actually i, I hate to say it but it's actually nice to see you know real estate's been a very antiquated market um for you know when it comes to the digital aspect for a very long period of time um so with that being said it's nice to see that uh some of the public housing authority agencies like baltimore city uh, being able to take stuff digitally taking new vouchers digitally or handling problems from afar rather than you know going out and having to jump through major hoops so um those things are nice to see um you know, what does the future hold? Uh, you know, nobody knows. If we knew, we'd all be sitting on the beach and we'd be doing this meeting, uh, you know, from the Virgin Islands, right? But uh, what do we see is, you know, make sure you're buying your properties right. You know, we, we're going into this uh, mini crash or whatever you may want to call it, buying a 76-unit apartment building. But we know we're stable and we're, we're good with it because when we underwrote it, we underwrote it, you know, being conservative and Understanding that the market's not always going to be at the tip top and it's not always going to be absolutely perfect, um, so <clears throat> it's nice, you know. It this this dip has really made us go through and you know look at our own business and make sure that we're doing things right. And it's good to see that when we did that, um, that uh, it um, it worked out for us that we underwrote that building right or. Another thing that we're seeing a lot of small businesses you know not just in real estate but you, you know restaurants and service providers and everything else is you know I think it is making a lot of people uh, look at their liquidity requirements. Um, so you know days like today really make you think about how much cash you on, have, have on hand. Is leverage always the right thing? I think Mike Wagner that's jumping on later, Terry will be interviewing him. Me and him went round and round at an Eskimo event about debt versus no debt, and I was Mr. Debt. He was Mr. No Debt. And, uh, you know, days like today, kind of makes you think, you know, maybe no debt is the right way to go. Or maybe, um, maybe uh, you know, not having as much leverage is not always the best way possible. So um, it's good to have this, and it, it makes, you know, it's good to have a little gut check. If they want to keep it moving and uh, pass it on yeah. over to Terry Royce, and we can come back and revisit some of these topics.
2: Yeah, thanks for that insight, Ian. Um, you know, as far as what we're seeing, uh, we're still seeing a lot of activity. I think I went into it a little bit yesterday with uh, Balen on a call. And, um, you know, we actually I just got a message a couple of minutes ago from one of my sales guys said um, we got a signed contract back from a buyer, and um, we've got a couple of closings set up for this week. So we're still seeing activity. Um we're definitely seeing some investors have uh, for obvious reasons level of uncertainty and some of their lenders are you know changing their lending criteria and I think that underlines the importance in any market of having a lot of different relationships and not relying on you know one strategy one lender whatever it may be and just having a lot of different um, angles and that's you know over the last couple of years we've built a rental portfolio a lot of people think of us as just wholesalers because they see a lot of our marketing but we do flips we have a sizable rental portfolio and um we, it kind of gives us a lot of different streams of income which have been helpful and up down up times and downtimes. so um i think it's going to be i think it's going to be good it's going to be a little unstable for some people but i think long term it's going to be good i think a lot of people that don't really know what they're doing are going to get shook out of the market which is going to be really good for a lot of the people that have um, legitimate businesses, strategies, and are well capitalized um, for what's going on. So, you know, as uh, uncomfortable as it may be for a week, a month, or a couple months, or whatever time period, I'm I'm ex- kind of excited about what this is going to bring over the uh, a longer period of time for a lot of us. I think Ian and I were talking about that a little bit today um, on the call,
3: Terry. What do Terry, what are you seeing related to kind of on the auction home front? We talked about this on our Facebook Live, we did, but I'm assuming a lot of the a lot of people didn't didn't hear that. What's the rundown? Are auctions still happening, online and offline auctions? Are they still happening? Um, obviously, with uh, actions with what's going on with courthouses right now. Um, what what's kind of some insight from that?
2: Yeah, we um, the au- auctions, uh, the in-person auctions, from what I can see, are all. Uh, halted right now but the online auctions are still happening so you know it'll be interesting to see as far as uh, you know foreclosure auctions what that brings for a period of time with some of the things the government's proposing as far as uh, staying foreclosures or offering some sort of forbearance or forgiveness so you know all that's up in the air and again I know it's uncertain for a lot of people Uh, I think it's uncertain for everybody what's going on but I think it's going to be really good for the serious investors who, um, who have been in the market for a while and are here to stay and have good strategies, good capital and good teams around them, so.
3: Got it, what, what does a company like you do when you're somewhat reliant on buying a lot of auction properties, like that was a strategy, right? To Buy properties, like what are you guys doing in the meantime, time? are you on hold or have you gone other ways to find deals?
2: Yeah, I mean, we last year, we did uh, a sizable amount of deals through traditional ways, whether they were referrals, direct seller, um, stuff like that. So we are, we kind of wound that down at the end of last year, just because we had some personnel that moved around. Uh, But we're looking at putting that back in play. I mean, I think that, you know, a lot of people, I know a lot of big operations, which uh, I don't want to put anybody out there, but just people that regionally are pretty big that have completely put a halt on their marketing from what I understand. And while I understand that's a defensive play, I think it's a good time, as you said yesterday, to kind of go all in on the strategies that you know work and that you've had success with over time. Um, so for us right now, it's just a matter of kind of putting all that back in place, which uh, I'm hoping we have that stuff in place by next week and Just follow it up with old leads. A lot of people that may not have expe- uh, accepted an offer you know, that you gave them three, four, six months ago, um, they might be a little shook up too and be more willing to accept some offers that weren't uh, in their ballpark before, but they might have a different set of circumstances going on right now. So, I mean, that's a play that we're getting ready to do is just follow up on all our old leads and see where those sellers are at. But I think a lot of people just kind of say, oh, well, that one didn't work out. And, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of investors just don't have good follow-up systems.
0: Yeah. Um, one- One interesting point that uh, our business partner in Philadelphia, Ian Walsh made, and that you guys both echoed just in your own perspectives is a situation like this acts like one big stress test on your business, right? Like how well are you set up for a downturn or even some kind of like pause in business? And that has a lot to do with what you guys were saying about uh, capital on hand, the amount of leverage versus not, um, the systems that are in place, how well you can work remotely, the relationships with your investors and clients and stuff like that, like it all gets tested, right? And the people who are set up properly, and I'm not saying it's easy for anybody, but the people who are set up the best are gonna come out ahead. And I think that's what happened in the the financial crisis um, years ago too, is that the people who could weather the storm and also this is similar to something that uh, Mike McCann, an agent in a really big uh, real estate agent in Philadelphia says, said on an interview one time that we did with him that um he would increase his ad spend during every downturn because he knew he could afford it and he knew he was going to acquire more market share that way and he comes out ahead every time and that's not to say that those downturns are easy but if you're set up you can capitalize on it so i think everyone's kind of echoing that same thing just from their own perspectives which is yeah it's something to uh be aware of, learn from for the future, and hopefully people are set up well enough today that they too are going to come out of this ahead in the next few months.
1: And I think another point that you're bringing up, not only just for the experienced investors, including all of us, is that sure, it makes you look at your business. It's also kind of like a nice little, it's like everybody's at pause. It's not like the financial crisis of 08 or, you know, '911, or maybe '911 is a little different, but everybody's on pause. So it kind of gives you a chance to go back and regroup. And it's not like one person's getting ahead of you while you're regrouping, right? Like it gives a chance for everybody to get their their affairs in order. The other cool thing, and I think um, I know I was talking to Kate Matthew earlier about it, um, who's jumping up later, is that now is a great time if you're new in the industry, whether you want to be a realtor, an investor, a lender, a wholesaler, Now is a great time. Put your head down, do your teleworking at home and go out and get your stuff in order and go. I mean, I think some of the biggest companies are founded during downturn. So use this time, this downtime that everybody's saying, oh, I'm home and I'm just doing nothing, I'm quarantined. If you have the availability, go and put your head down and use this time to get your, your stuff in order and get out there, start marketing, get your realtor class that done. But, you know, look, start underwriting investment properties, especially now because it allows you to look at, what it was just a few weeks ago to now, you don't have to go back to 08 and compare. You can literally look at, you know, what you see difference wise now, so.
3: Yeah, and I'll, uh, if you didn't see Mark H's, uh, I don't know, I, sorry Mark H, I don't, know, I don't uh, know your last name, but anyways, his comment that he just posted, but uh, he said, I hit a lead up eight months ago, same offer from them and got it under contract last week. So, you know, he had an offer on the table for somebody eight uh, eight months ago they turned it down they wanted something better and then he followed up with them and he got under contract and is wholesaling it um is signing it and wholesaling it so that's how it works and we're seeing the same type of stuff um on stuff that we're you know stuff that you know we're we're lending on you know someone you know might not have wanted to go with our offer and then they decided you know to go to go with it just based on supply and demand so you know now i feel is a great time to 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 go and i mean the, the one unknown thing with all of this is and we're going to talk about this shortly with a few other parties when they hop on is consumer confidence and where is consumer confidence right now are people nervous about what they see in the marketplace and is that stopping buying and selling and i don't necessarily think it will be i think i think there's going to be a lot of parties that are unsure so they kind of want to stay out of the game for now but i'm willing to bet that there's going to be sellers that need to need to sell or you know have to unload a property and they're willing to Kind of take what whatever the ongoing you know the current market uh, terms are terms are for it. So it could be it could be an opportunity. So you know, again, on the other side, there is some risk. I know. Listen, I'm all I'm all about being proactive and op- optimistic, but I do also understand the risks that that go with this. And there's a risk that one day a title insurance one you know, one of the big title insurance companies comes in and says, "Hey, you know, we don't want to underwrite." Uh, right now, we're not issuing title insurance, and then the next one falls, and the next one falls, and the next one falls, and puts everything on hold. Um, I think, in general, that probably won't happen. I think the real estate market tanking or crashing or having some major disturbance is not what uh, many higher ups want to see happen. So I'm guessing that probably won't happen. You know, but it could. And you know, it's one thing if things are on halt related to you know potentially getting permits, uh, getting getting inspections uh, delays and things like that. That's, that's part of it, but, you know, potentially things can, can go, could go way sideways, side, you know, a lot more sideways. Obviously interest rates are still lower. Um, RJ Breeden recently just put a property of ours under contract, uh, that he, that he was working on and we got an above market, uh, offer on it because it was a first time home buyer. They wanted to lock in on a cheap interest rate and they wanted to, you know, and they're able to close in 30 days. Um, in 30 days from now, uh, are they definitely going to close on it? I hope so. You know, if if there's other issues that potentially come up between now and there, but it it gave us confidence knowing that there's first time home buyers out there that want to capitalize on a cheap interest rate and, and purchase a property. So I I was happy to see that. And it seems like a lot of people I'm talking about, uh, I've been talking through, you know, are looking at at optimistic times, uh, optimistically. So I think it's just important to understand that obviously, you know, you got to be you got to be safe and you got to be smart and there's also a real potential case that you buy a property today for $100,000 and it's worth $90,000 tomorrow like that could happen and you got to have some sort of game plan in place if, if that does happen and it could be worth $80,000 you know who knows or maybe it's worth 110,000 and you know i think in general some rentals are really going to be attractive to people because you know if ian for instance buys a house today for $100,000 and puts a tenant in there paying $1,000 a month and tomorrow it's worth ninety thousand. What do you care? You know, what do you care if you lose ten thousand dollars in in fake equity o- overnight on a property that you're holding as a long-term play? Well, I think there's a. I mean, that's
1: a that's a very valid um, point there. That you know, again, that goes back to our business model. And I think this goes back to everything that we've been discussing. Is it really makes you look at what your business model is and you know how you're going to conduct business and um so on and so forth you know same with terry and wholesaling you know what's he putting the houses under contract does he need to predict these types of um these downturns if, if it's possible to even predict um to go back to consumer confidence i'd love to hear from some of the realtors that are jumping on i think the big question is is there a lot of pent-up demand there's always going to be a space for people flipping houses there's always going to be a space for renting properties um the question is what's that pent-up de- demand and and consumer confidence. I think I saw a question that would be good for Chris. Dominic Praviti was saying, um, Chris, has hard money bankers changed any of their lending criteria um, during this, uh, what's going on right now?
0: I think Jay can probably um, explain in in better detail being his side of the business. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously we have to be careful. We have to be uh, more conservative than normal. We don't know if we're going to see a drop in prices. We don't know know when it comes to construction jobs how effectively people are going to be able to execute on those especially big ones Um, so yeah Jay can probably put a little more color on that but definitely one thing that has been happening recently is that we've been doing bridge loans on properties that people already own Um, maybe they need to access some kind of cash to keep their business moving something like that and um, we've been able to step in and provide that so yeah maybe Jay can talk about some of the acquisition stuff in a little more detail
3: yeah, we're trying to be more conservative, just like everyone else is. I mean, you as a as someone who's buying a property that maybe yesterday or last week you would have paid a hundred, you might only want to try to pay ninety or eighty for it today, and that's the same thing that we're doing. Same same situation. We're uh, we're lowering our exposure a little bit to be safe, um, and kind of go, you know, going from there. You know, the, our clients are bringing a little bit more cash in into the deals, have a little bit more on the table. You know, there was a long time that a lot of private capital was out there at hundred percent LTV um, with very little cash out of pocket from investors. And, you know, I, I, I think in general, we are going to have probably a little bit more cash uh, out of pocket from, from our clients. And at the same time, you know, make sure they have the ability to do so. I think big construction projects right now in an un- un- unknown time, or maybe a little bit scary, if you're doing a fix and flip, I think maybe, you know, somewhat of a smaller project, um, you know, might be a little bit safer. And again, you know obviously this whole game is risk versus reward right you know so you know as far as i know someone could do a full you know new 6 unit condo conversion and make a killing on it but uh, you know we're i, I would just say we're li- being a little bit more cautious just like i think every buyer out there um oh one other note to share and then i'm going to hop on with uh, we're going to bring a mean on from universal title attorney from universal title but uh you know related to some co- consumer confidence, and Terry and I spoke about this as well. So we had a property that we had uh, that we were selling to an investor, and they backed out of it the day of closing. Um, they got nervous and they forego their deposit, so we we kept their deposit. Uh, they had put it under contract uh, two weeks ago and then last week, um, they backed out the day of closing because title work, you know, uh, and actually me did the title work on that as well. so but you know, I didn't fault them on it. You know, they, they got nervous and they were like, listen, I'm, I'm concerned right now. I'm not hundred percent sure. Um, and so, so be it. But then at the same time, that project I was just talking about that RJ put under contract for it, that happened that same day. So, you know, some people are, <laughs> some people are optimistic and proactive and some people are, Hey, I just want to play the waiting game. So I, right, I'm going to unmute a mean from universal title. Um, hang on one sec i mean i just let you start your video so if you can start your video there you go you, you have the name erica you have the name erica even though i uh i uh, uh,
4: left my laptop at home so that's all good first, trust me that, that's
3: me. all good so the reason we felt amin would be a good kind of first guest on this is he's really on the front lines of a lot of things you know all of us are buying and selling and working with sellers working with buyers working with contractors and things like that but like as a closing attorney and seeing what's going on with closings and title insurance, like that's really intriguing. And we've been in touch a lot over the last few days to last two weeks, actually, I, I would say like, what are you seeing right now as far as what's going on with the market? You know, are you, are you closing transactions, things like that?
4: So uh, we started following this thing and how it would affect us probably three weeks ago. So like the first week of March when it started hitting Seattle, we, were, we just knew it was a matter of time before it was gonna make it our way and, and it would affect us. So, instead of most title companies and most businesses thinking about maybe being on a defensive a little bit, you know, cutting back on a little bit of a leverages, we went on the offensive on this thing and we started talking to our underwriters, to people at the courthouses, trying to figure out what we can do to continue business but also use it as an opportunity to be honest. I wasn't around in the title business in 2008. Uh, Our our principals were. So they learned a few lessons there, and they they realized the quicker they can get get ahead on this curve, the better we're going to be situated. So what we did, we basically took our expenses, and anything that was unnecessary or something that we could leverage out the future in the year, we cut those. We cut them to the floor. So marketing from our end, I don't want to speak about your end because I'm not sure how it works, but from marketing from our end, our ROI is essentially if I spend a dollar, I want four dollars to come back from it. Sorry, to our underwriters. Yeah. sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> so, for example, if I, you know, if I host like a first-time home buyer event, that's something that takes a lot of time to come back for me as an ROI. They have to, I have to wait for them to buy a house and then close on it and stuff like that. That's six months down the road. So we said, you know, we're not going to do that. We're going to go direct marketing to the client, which for us is realtors and lenders. Um, and then hold back on some of these events. So that's some of the stuff that we did. And then we were really concerned about how it would affect our closings, uh, both operationally and also on the back end when we go to record these documents with the counties. So as far as the closings are concerned, we basically um, have divided the closings. Uh, Most of our sellers are now signing remotely um, with a notary and then sending the documents in um and then with buyers um we're not including the realtors anymore so we're really limiting the number of participants to the table which are just the signers and a lot of our sellers are pre-signing or signing remotely away from the office so the exposure is very nominal um we're also concerned with the demographic that's coming in as far as the age is concerned for the protection of the someone that's coming in for example if you're a seller and you're above 60 Uh, We're going to see if we can kind of accommodate you a different way so that you can still get your documents signed, but also not be exposed uh, possibly on your travel here. So very cognizant about that. We disinfect after every closing the settlement room and the reception area. Um, As far as what's happening with respect to the signing, though, we really thought we had a solution here uh, with e-signing because the courthouses said that they will accept them and we got really excited about it then as you can imagine between our underwriters and the lenders mostly institutional lenders there was a disagreement i guess per se so lenders really want their main documents so the promissory note and the mortgage the deed of trust to be wed signed they really want that to be done they're not in favor of any kind of e-signing um so our underwriters, on the other hand, on the courthouse, are willing to accept e-signing. Um, so we're, right now, we're in that little, uh, I guess, uh, window where they're kind of trying to battle it out. I have reached out to some loan officers, institutional loan officers, and they're saying that their companies are working on getting some kind of a hybrid or e-signing going. Uh, but that's, that's probably days away. Um, and that's really the momentum is through the virus. So if we go through the curve, hopefully, and, and pass that, I really don't think it's going to it's going to be here anytime soon. And
3: um, hey, let's talk real quick. So let's talk about yeah. cl- like closings as of like today type of thing. So mm-hmm. so when when you say um th- those institutional lenders want a- originals you you mean the uh, like the deed of trust and and the deeds they want you know the stuff the that note. goes on re- the stuff that they go on right re- oh even the note too even stuff oh, that's yeah, not on record no, yeah they, they so
4: they so they want to
3: they want original so those institutions so let's say Bank of America Bank of America mm-hmm. won't allow has this happened yet or like yeah. as of today as of today let's say I'm just a homeowner and I refinance my house with Bank of America Bank of America is requiring you I cannot digital sign it I have to no. do it regularly
4: no and we thought we had a solution on the seller side we could at least get the seller side done electronically. I actually had um, a 1 p.m. e-signing scheduled today before I found that that the lender shut it down. I was going to have the seller e-sign their documents, including the deed, have it notarized, and then we could upload that um, electronically, to the land records, and get the deed recorded, and the lender basically said no to that. So the reason being, um, interestingly, is so... (laughs) every time there's a shift and this is a huge shift um there's opportunity for i don't want to say fraud but for for uh misbehavior and their concern is that some of these online notary firms that are popping up or extending their services to do closings um have questionable uh notary practices so if we get that deed signed and notarized electronically we get that deed on the record <clears throat> i understand. ensure that policy with an exception that this is electronically being confirmed that the lender's protection isn't as strong as say that they came up to Amin's office, he notarized it or someone else notarized it with a seal on it and that gets, that gets recorded. So they're very concerned about that and they have not, um, I guess, uh, left their insecurities on that. So we basically have to do the same thing now. We either send everything, they get a wet sign and notarized, and send back to us. Or they have to come to an office to get a sign and notarized, so that that really put a put a stop on something that we thought we had a solution for. Yeah, but
3: the, but I guess the one thing is you guys are, you guys are. I mean, every title is every title company in Maryland open. I mean, I don't want to talk about all these states. Yes, yeah, um, we're open. Are all or I guess all the title companies?
4: Yeah. So so it's funny. Uh, they're interpreting it as uh, most title companies because we want to stay open in business. Um, we're interpreting as we're connecting the financial sector to, to the uh, consumer. So a, a lender, so hard money bankers, couldn't just deposit money into a, a, a borrower's account for a closing. It has to come through an escrow account. And for, to do that, we have to be in business and we have to conduct closing. So we're, we're a natural link that has to be there for the financial services to continue with respect to real estate. Gotcha gotcha um i will tell you a couple of things um how it's affected us um with respect to um recordings um i i feel like as far as i know about your business you have a lot of baltimore city investors um Somewhere. be ready yeah be ready to have to have some some extended settlements in the sense of getting the lean sheets back in time as late as it already was five to seven business days you're looking to probably two to three days on that. And then the recordings on the back end, everything's getting mailed in. Uh, they're, they're no longer doing um, walk-ins. Uh, so everything has- to That's be- just city though, right? That's just Baltimore City uh, because Baltimore City doesn't do e-recordings. Um, some of the other jurisdictions are still obviously doing e-recordings. Um, some are open. Uh, typically, if you get more south, they're still open to drop-offs. Um, and some have, have left uh, mailboxes where you can drop off the documents. Got it. But yeah, we're open. We're, we're very aggressive about this. And I will tell you guys this. I don't know if it was because of Russia files coming in and it was just meant to be, but we just had our best month of opens and we haven't even finished the month yet. Um, so we're, we're really excited about where this is going. And we see it truly as an opportunity to kind of step in and, and um, take, uh, take market share. Got it. What else do you think
3: you should add that would be helpful for people, either investors that think, you know, we're trying to push a deal to close quickly, or just that could prevent them from doing a deal at all. I know when we talked, we had a foreclosure property we were selling, and the reason that you were able to help us out with it is because we had all the foreclosure
5: docs, and you didn't have to do research on it.
4: Yeah, that's a good point. So uh, depending on accessibility, so right now our abstractors are very limited to what they can do. Um, One, to be honest, they technically themselves are not uh, essential businesses so everything they can do is remotely and online whereas they used to be able to walk into the courthouse and get lien copies and stuff like that so from what I'm hearing from my abstract there's this typically if you're doing an investment deal it's out of a foreclosure or REO uh, they usually carry some kind of judgment or lien um, or even the foreclosure case they're not able to get those uh, at least from what I'm hearing from them so uh, we basically have to work around it or wait and get underwriter approval on it until we get the lien. On. So it's, it's becoming a, a challenge trying to close some of these deals unless we were lucky to get the abstract soon enough. So if I get a new file now that has a lien on it, and if I can't get the lien copy, the only way I can move forward is if my underwriter approves it and lets me proceed.
3: Got it, okay. So I mean, it, 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 I guess it seems to me that, you know, it's business as usual, things are gonna be slower potentially. Um, You know, and and that's just Maryland. You don't know any other states besides Maryland, right? DC and Virginia. No, no, no. But I'm saying
4: like, you know, is DC following the same stuff? Yeah, they're they're open there. What about Virginia? Yeah, Virginia is open too. They closed a couple of courthouses. um, But what they're doing, so Virginia is a different state. So Maryland is a wet settlement state, which means that we have to fund and cut checks the same day we close the transaction. Virginia is the opposite. They close, they record, and then they disperse. So they have that leverage of saying all right we're not going to do anything until this gets on the re- on, on the in the courthouse <clears throat> but because some of those counties have closed their courthouses there is an indemnity affidavit that our underwriter is willing to have signed and move forward in that case the lender assuming there is one the buyers and the sellers they sign that affidavit and using that affidavit we can disperse the same day and then record at some point when the courthouse opens up so it actually benefits Virginia since that they disperse faster, but the recording is delayed until the first <coughs> Got it.
3: Ian, of course you coughed and uh, you got put on camera. Oh man, oh, <laughs> man. I'm going to I'm going to unmute you. You got, something, you got, you yeah. got, you got yeah. something for Amin or
1: you want me to? Uh... No, I just saw one of the questions while we're waiting for Ryan to jump on that somebody was talking about notarize.com. Um, is, that a valid, uh, is that a valid source as a notary um, for you guys to process title?
4: They're are all to in our eyes, they're all valid. There isn't a single one that our underwriter has basically said it's, it's on our blacklist or anything like that. Their concern is that it's just a matter of time before it comes out. So they they, they all provide different different systems. So like a company like DocuSign, they're like, you know, electronic signing, but they don't do notary stuff. They're com- there are companies that do all of them. They do DocuSign versions, they do notary versions and all that stuff. Um so their concern is, is not so much now and what they can find out now, but like a year down the road when that title policy needs to be reissued or the person is selling it and that next title underwriter questions it because of what's transpired within the next year and some fraud that may have come out, that, that title policy is basically not worth the papers written on because they're going to put an exception on it. And that the client, they, they were exposed. I guess the underwriters exposed to some liability in the sense that, uh, you know, we've insured these transactions, we've got all these exceptions, but now the title policy is issued. So it's more future and what they've seen through the last uh, financial crisis of all the, you know, some bad activity that could happen. So they're pretty much putting a stop on that.
3: Cool, well, I appreciate it. I mean, yeah, I, know you got, no problem. I know you got a closing uh, going, going through. So, uh, hey, oh, also one thing just so everybody knows, I'm gonna uh, put a link out here shortly. Um, and you'll be able to get access to everybody who speaks contact information. So, um, but it means with universal title and we appreciate you coming on and I'm going to be sharing everyone's contact information shortly. So you, man, I appreciate it. Thank you guys. Stay safe. Have a great day. Have fun. Bye. bye. Right. Ryan, I got to unmute you real quick. I think you're Ryan MacBook. <laughs>
4: hey, yeah, I,
6: I've been, uh, I've been trying to sign on here for the past five minutes. And that, yeah. All good. All right, Ian, you how are you guys thing. doing?
1: Good. How are you? Uh, All right,
6: we're
1: going gonna to try to do something uh, with Ryan Murphy here. He's at work. He works for the fire department. So if he runs away, it's not because he's scared. It's because he has a fire. Um, I work with him in the fire department. So let's get this done. Ryan, you just want to quick introduce yourself and what you do.
6: Sure. Uh, my name's Ryan Murphy. I've been flipping houses for about three plus years now. Uh, like I said, I, I started out doing wholesale deals with Ian and Dan a long, long time ago. Um, Let's see, we've done a lot in the city, a few in the county. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, buy and hold as well. Uh, probably around 50 deals. So um, we also shot a a, uh, a pilot for HGTV, which turned out to be a huge pain in the ass. So if anybody gets that opportunity, I, I wouldn't recommend it. Um, other than that, uh, right now I'm just out flipping houses, doing high-end flips. Well, I guess middle-of-the-road flips compared it's to some guys. On. Ryan, you're still, um, you're
1: still flipping in the Patterson Park neighborhood. I know you really like that neighborhood. And if you are, I just wanted to see what you thought about um, with what's going on right now. How much do you think it's going to affect by being in, like, a super niche market and targeting a super, you know, like a certain area? Um, do you see yourself diversifying more out of all this, or do you like to um, – or do you going to continue to just work what you're comfortable with?
3: So
6: I really like the Patterson Park Uh, North of the park neighborhood. I know that's a smaller, you know, uh, you could say it's two blocks deep. You know, you go one block from the park and then into the 100 block north. That's where you get the most, uh, the highest return or the higher ARV when you're done living the house. Um, But I've been a little conservative because the prices up there jumped up faster than the resale values, at least in my opinion, for what I was able to get for them. Um, We did push the limits on some stuff and get some of the highest comps in the blocks that we were doing at the time, but it seems like it's cooled off a little bit. So uh, I am still actively marketing that area and looking for deals there, but I'm a little bit more conservative on my purchase price. Um, and then with that, I'm also targeting more of buy and holds now because it seems like the market has cooled off a little bit overall. And uh, and then with the recent uh, financial downturn over the last few weeks, I pretty much have gotten really, really conservative because I don't know how this is all gonna shake out.
1: Right. <clears throat> so in the short term do you see yourself uh wholesaling more deals or do you see yourself um fix and flip like what uh, coming out of all this what what's your business look like over the next few weeks few months
6: uh over the next few months over the next few weeks i'm probably just going to sit tight and get my marketing out because i feel like this is going to present a lot of opportunities for people but i don't want to jump in too soon if this drags out longer than we all anticipate um over the next few months, I would like to add a few more uh, buy and holds. you know, just get uh, in some, you know, middle, middle of the road neighborhoods and get some tenants in there and just get some cash flow. So that way, when when all this finally clears up, uh, you know, I think there will be a lot of opportunities out there for guys to uh, to get some really good deals on properties. Right.
1: And how do you feel like I know you work in the city a lot? Um, how do you feel is the city markets going to fare during all this? I mean, you do you see. Um, a major downturn? Do you see certain areas staying the same, especially the Patterson Park neighborhood? Do you think this is going to help cool it off for you and be able to allow you to jump back in?
6: Yes, I I think that you're going to see some pullback in some of those like fringe neighborhoods, neighborhoods that are kind of, you know, get labeled up and coming. Um, I think you're going to see some of those prices pull back. Hopefully not a whole lot. I don't want to see things come back as much as they did in like the 08, like timeframe frame you know there was a lot of stuff that lost a lot of value and some of those areas haven't even recovered um but yeah i do see it pulling back I, like i said i'm going to be watching it and i think that you're going to get a lot of good deals out of those areas if you just if you stay patient
1: yeah i uh i 100 percent agree and I, I think again it goes back to your business model of knowing what you're buying and what works for you right like that's the most important thing um and if you're just out there firing off offers and you're doing this or you're doing that you can can end up in trouble pretty quick. Um would you be comfortable sharing with uh, what happened to you the other
6: day with a lender?
7: Um
6: Sure, yeah,
1: cuz
7: I feel know,
6: it, you know, I feel like guys knowing this kind of stuff might help them in whatever situation they're in. So I had a house that I flipped in Canton and I was lucky enough I put it up for sale and shortly after I put it up for rent as well just to see if I could get as high a rent as I wanted. Um I was able to do that and I got a, some really good tenants and a 2-year lease and then I was in the process of, I was in underwriting probably about a week to two weeks out from closing on the loan. And the bank called me two days ago and said that they're suspending the loan program. So it was a cash out refi for the LLC based off of the rent and you know 70 to 75% of the after repair value. Wow.
1: <clears throat> so um, I know I've, I've shared a few local bank contacts with you. Um, and someone's asking what bank, you know, we're not going to put that out there. You can reach out to Ryan Murphy on Facebook and find him, and you can discuss offline. Um, But I did put you in touch with a few local banks. Did they say they were still lending? I know I talked to one of them and they said they definitely
6: work. Yeah, I think everybody's slammed right now with the way that the market's fluctuating. So I'm still waiting to hear back from both those guys. I'm going to follow up with them again today. Um, I did find one lender that I had dealt with in the past, but due to the situation, they said that they were hearing that from a lot of banks. So I think they ran their rates up a little bit higher to see how desperate people are. And for this this situation, this deal I'm in with the rent that I'm getting, uh, the only thing that it does is just slow me down on, on you know, funding for my next deal a little bit until I can get it all solved out. And if you don't mind, what what's your
1: confidence in your tenants paying? Um I'm not sure you know, you don't have to say exactly what they do, but you know, <laughs> are they, are they laid off during this or, you know, are they um, still working? Have they reached
6: out to you say, Hey, I need to delay my rent or. So you know, it's kind of like a catch 22, right? You reach out to them and they ask them how they're doing. And then they think, well, maybe they've got, yeah. a, they've got you. So I have not reached out to my tenant. we're very responsible. They had a phenomenal rental application. So I'm not too concerned. Um, I haven't had any issues with any of my other rental properties, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm not going to bat a thousand. I'm sure I'll have one or two hiccups in there, but it's, like I said, it's all wait and see. I mean, really, hopefully things get back on track soon and, and it's nothing that we have to worry about long term.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I agree. I know uh, Dan was in the office the other day, calculating what our rent looked like versus uh tenant portions versus subsidy portions to say we're good or not good. It's really making everyone look at their liquidity and what their position is. Um, we, uh, we knocked his 10 minutes out pretty fast. Do you have uh, anything else you want to mention before we roll out and uh, move on to Jimmy Harris?
6: No, I think that I would just say just be, be careful out there because right now I, there's so much uncertainty on how things are going to go. Don't try and overextend yourself, you know, because we're all in this for the long haul and we're all in it to, you know, have uh, be able to retire early hopefully. So just be careful out there, guys.
1: Yeah, one day. Well, you definitely got to be careful out there. You're, uh, you're still at work, you know, uh, hopefully it's a nice quiet night for you brother and i'll uh i'll catch you tomorrow thanks man all right thanks for having me
6: on guys have a good day
3: sure no problem uh all right so jimmy harris uh a local builder and investor is hopping on next uh hang on one sec let me figure out uh how to get jimmy on all uh, right let's see uh bear with me jimmy Nope, I don't want to make you the host. I just want to let you start your video. There we go. All right, Jimmy, that should. Uh, uh, let's see. Has to start video. There we go. You there? Yep. Gotcha. <laughs> Perfect. Got a good little background and everything. Um. Working, man. I'm working. <laughs> blowing up. You, you, you want to answer the phone while we're all live <laughs> um all right so listen we got jimmy on now he's gonna we're gonna hop on we, we have a little gap between him and rj who's on after him so if we go over a few minutes that's fine and then we have rj real estate agent then scott freitag who's a commercial bank lender then mike casey who's the airbnb investor and then i'll give you the lineup after that so jimmy let's uh let's let's start with you so give us some insight of what you are seeing currently out there
8: Um, well, I mean, as far so I guess, give you a little bit of background on who we are, what we do. Um, you know, we build houses, um, we, you know, still do some rehabs. Um, we have a rental portfolio. Um, and, uh, so for us, it's, you know, kind of like what Terry was even saying before, you know, it's, it's multiple streams. It's multiple things that we're doing all within the same kind of, kind of realm. Um, but, and, and I feel like each one of those segments is different. Um, you know, from the standpoint of the, um, the rentals, um, you know, I think it's, you know, we're getting some like, um, you know, you guys were just talking about, we're getting some people literally just today that said, Hey, we had this month's rent. Um, we're laid off. We're not sure what's going to happen. You know, we just wanted to give you guys, you know, heads up and let you know, um, we were trying to be proactive. We did reach out to our tenants, um, and just said, Hey, you know, here's what we expect out of you, you know, stay safe, stay healthy, you know, but if you run into an issue, let us know. Um, and uh, cause I'd rather know than be surprised all of a sudden, I just don't want to rent not to show up and us be guessing why it's not there. Um, so we did that um, out of, you know, the units that we have, we only had a handful of people <laughs> that came back and, and said, Hey, we, you know, we might have an issue, um, you know, so, uh, you know, kind of like what he was saying. I mean, it is what it is. You know, if Dan was running the numbers, we were kind of running similar numbers to see like, you know, can we cover the debt? You know, what are our lenders doing? Um, you know, as far as servicing our, our mortgage and things like that, um, in order to, uh, you know, make sure, you know, you can, you know, make it happen. So, um, so that's on the rental side on the, you know, on the rehab side. Um, we actually don't have any rehabs going on right now. Um, but I mean, to your point earlier, Jason, I think that what you're going to see is, you know, all the restrictions tightening all the way around the board. We were just doing a, a refi as well. Uh, we were refiing about 20 of our properties. Um, we got eight of them through. We had another batch of 12 we were getting ready to do right now. Um, literally, we just got word this week that everything was being put on hold. Um, so, you know I mean? So that's a pretty big, you know, we were trying to actually get some cash in, you know, extra cash in the in the pipeline and maybe be able to take advantage of, you know, what we think is coming down the pike. Sure. Uh, and, you know, they kind of stopped that dead in track. So that sucked, but, you know, it was you know is what it is regarding that i mean there's you know i'm sure there's some local guys um that could still do some stuff um we have a little bit different criteria you know i don't want any arms i only want you know 30-year fixed stuff um for this exact reason going down the road too you know i mean if, if you're going through this now and you know say it happens again in five years and you have a five-year arm and your note gets called in five years you know now you're in you know you're in a a storm all of a sudden that could have been prevented had you locked in long-term financing. So that's something that, you know, we're trying to do to be proactive, um, with this is, you know, lock in long-term rates. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, I I just feel like it's, you know, it's, it's a better way to hedge any future issues that might come down the pike. Um, on the new home side, that's probably the scariest of all for, for us, um you know just because and you know just to to be perfectly real with it i mean yeah we're still out there building i mean it was nice to see when hogan came out the other day and said hey you know real estate construction companies are deemed essential um i mean i was puckering there for a little bit to be honest with you because you know when you're in these projects i mean you know you uh you know you lenders still want your money you know so um but you know it's you know it's a situation where we're out there still you know i'm not going to stop working i'm not going to stop building i'm not going to stop doing what we're doing will we run more conservative numbers yeah i think so um absolutely i mean that's what we were just we have uh you know we did our marketing call with our team the other day and that was our exact you know conversation was hey we're going to get out there we're going to be a little bit more conservative on our numbers we're going to um you know, run, you know, the, the ARV a little bit lower. Um, so that makes our acquisition, you know, a little bit lower and things like that. Um, but, you know, I mean, on the new home side, we're still building every day, um, all day. Um, I got guys, you know, working on several different projects right now. Um, but, you know, I think at the end of the day, I think it's it's, you know, I don't think that there is, this is my opinion on it now. I don't think that you're going to see a major underlying, there's not a major underlying financial issue here what you're seeing, I think is more of a, you know, a nine 11 thing instead of a 2008 thing, um, you know, I think you're gonna bounce back quicker than we did in 2008. I think that it's gonna be a scenario where um, people are gonna, as soon as that consumer confidence comes back, as soon as we have quote unquote flattened the curve, I think you're gonna see, you know, the you know I know they just injected, you know, and passed these stimulus bills or whatever. <laughs> I think you're gonna see, um, you know, people come back in strength. <laughs> um i still think that you are going to see a, a deflated market for probably a little bit i don't think it's going to be anything like you saw in 2008 in my opinion um but you know at the end of the day i, I think you still have to be conservative with your numbers um you yeah,
3: like know wait, we're a, not necessarily a, a wait and but. see type of play <laughs> yeah exactly what, I, I mean, mean it, you know, it's it's the consumer yeah. confidence thing and that's why a lot of people realtors are going to give some good uh, chime in nicely on on this that, that we're interviewing, yeah. but. So wait and see, and I agree, like, if this is all over, you know, in 60 days, you know, people will get off the sidelines.
8: Right, and I think they will. I think also, I I know I watched when you and Terry were talking yesterday, but, you know, I think that also, I mean, and and like he said earlier, I think there's two different strategies. I really do. I think you can either be conservative and say, hey, I'm sitting on the sidelines, or you can go all in and put all your chips in and say, hey, uh, let's see what we can do over the next little bit. Do I think there's going to be opportunity? Yeah, Chris mentioned earlier, is there blood in the water? There probably will be. Um, You know, I think that, and that's why, quite frankly, we were trying to, you know, put some more cash in our pocket to, you know, be in a position where, you know, you can go out and take advantage of that. Um, I think it's, it's critical to, you know, have folks like yourself lined up to where if a deal does come down the pike for you, that you have the opportunity to take advantage of it. Um, you know, you don't want to go out there and all of a sudden be like, oh my gosh, I found a deal and now I'm scrambling to find, you know, money for it. Yeah. I think the old adage will still remain true. If the deal makes sense, you'll find the money for it. Not a problem. But I would just encourage folks to be a little bit proactive with that. Make sure you have, you know, your, your funding lined up ahead of time. Make sure that you're not sitting there scrambling at the last minute and it causes you to lose a deal that you could have wholesaled or, you know, kept or whatever. Um, yeah. That's something that I would, you know, that we've done on our end, you know, we've, you know, tried to hit it from both sides, the cash side and the lender side to make sure that, and we've had conversations with, you know, several of our people and saying, hey, if I find a deal, you know, and we use a lot of private money, but, you know, if I find a deal, you know, can I count on you for the money? And, you know, everybody that we talked to said, yeah, I mean, like, I'll, you know, I'll be there to, you know, as long as the numbers make sense.
3: I mean, I think capital is always available in any marketplace on the sure. right opportunity, on the right deal, on the right terms. I mean, if someone comes and says, hey, I'm trying to get, you know, 100% financing on this deal at a low interest rate, yeah, that's probably not a win-win right now for for both sides. But if it's a true win-win on both sides, knowing supply and demand, meaning, you know, why would a private lender potentially give you 100% financing at a 10% coupon or 10% interest rate with no points when, you know, there's uh, more demand or more supply for for better opportunities out there right now? But just like anything, it's just like anything else, it's it's finding it's finding the right deal. And on your end, you know, if you came to me and was like, oh, it's gonna be a 20% interest rate and 10 points, you might be like, yeah, I don't need the money that bad. This deal's not gonna work. So there's that meat in the middle, and then you figure out what your terms are. Um, can you dive in a little bit because I think this is important. Um, uh permits and inspections and code enforcement and things like that like if you were because you, you said you're not in the middle of rehabs anymore but you're obviously still in the middle of a, a bunch of new home builds yeah uh, is that right so let's yeah, yeah, say yeah. can you go i mean we're doing rehab
8: we're rehabbing some of our rental properties right here. Sure, sure. like new acquisitions and stuff like that so.
3: so talk about building permits like can you go and get a building permit today
8: you can you have to most of the, in most of the counties the way it is it's a lot of it's by appointment only um, you know, you can't just show up and walk in like you normally could. Um, even on inspections, like, you know, we, we built a house in Annapolis recently and, and we're putting a sunroom on there right now for the people that, you know, we built it for. Um, and, you know, Anne Arundel County has, you know, uh, precautions in place that say we're not going into occupied dwellings for inspections. Um, this was nice. It was an outside inspection. Um, so they went and inspected some footings for a set of steps that we have to do off the sunroom. Um, and they came out today. Passed everything was fine. So I think what you're seeing is you know just an abundance of caution regarding that stuff. Um, you know they're not going to go into somebody's house that's occupied. They're not going to allow you just to walk in the front doors and things like that. Um, you know I, I think that that'll probably you know go for a little while. I mean I know Hogan, Hogan just came out and said that they're shutting down schools um, through the uh, 24th of April. Um, to me that kind of leads me to believe like that you're going to see a lot of the other restrictions go on that long. Um, you know, I think that, I think that people are going to use that as the benchmark, like, Hey, if it's safe to go back to schools, it's safe to open up everything else. Um, you Definitely. know, possibly, you know, uh, I, I just feel like that's going to be, you know, kind of the, you know, the, the, turning point once, if they can flatten the curve, if they can do whatever they're talking about doing and stuff like that. But, um, then I think you're going to see the permit offices open up. I think you're going to see, the um, you know the different uh, inspections and things like that open up a little bit more because um, it is challenging right now. I mean to get a hold of somebody like I'm trying to get the electrical inspection done down there at that job and I can't get a hold of anybody down there. So I, I think you're going to see that for a little while. Um, you have a lot of people working remotely. You have you know all those kinds of things going on, and I think that it's just I think that's the new normal. You know I think that you know for the next you know month that's what I would plan on seeing more of. Um, you know so i would again you know like i was talking about before with the lenders i would caution people to if you do have things going on you know just make sure you have your ducks in a row as far as the inspections as far as the permits as far as all that stuff's concerned because you know gotcha. especially even for you guys too if you're waiting on draws you know if you're if somebody's waiting on a draw from hard money bankers and they can't oh, get yeah. inspections done to get those draws you know that's, that's going to kill your cash flow
3: yeah so no that's, that's an, an issue thing. and that's you know there's yeah. a few like it's talked about it when we started a few higher powers related to really good Put this industry at a halt, and that's one of them. You know, if you can't, I mean, what's the point of buying a property, if it, if you that that's heavy on construction that you're going to need permits for if you can't get a permit, right? Right, right. that's an issue. What's the yep. and same thing with title insurance, the same issue is no one's, you know, someone's not going to buy it without buyer lender's title insurance. So that's a big issue. And we're going to talk about uh some of the different counties in the states as well. I mean, I know so you just know Maryland, right?
8: Yeah, I only I only do all my stuff in Maryland. Yep.
3: Yeah. Got it. Okay, so you know Maryland. Uh, when we talked to Amin earlier, he seemed – title seemed okay in, Mar- in Maryland, Virginia, and D.C. I've got a few uh, Pennsylvania folks coming on and uh, New Jersey folks coming on um, shortly as well. So they're going to give us some insight as well. But you're right. And something else
8: for new construction for us, too, is I was talking to my supplier at 84 Lumber, and he's like, hey, you know, Pennsylvania shut down. They get a lot of their materials out of Pennsylvania. Like, I can't get stairs for jobs right now. You know what I mean? Like, their stair manufacturer is shut down. So that's something else to consider is, you know, is your supply line open and things like that. So. Yeah, you
3: know what I meant? They, this gas fireplace guy that I talked to yesterday said the same thing because we we're missing a piece and he needed to order one. And he said, right. well, it comes out of Pennsylvania. I'm Not sure when I'm going to be able to get it. Yeah. Um, wait, so all – so you're saying that – so in Pennsylvania all, like, laundry yards are closed?
8: Not all. Like, okay. I can – you know, I, I use uh, – you know, I get my cabinets out of P.A., um i can get those i confirmed all that so it's not everything but again it's you know it, it's the idea of you just assume that like oh i can get this or i can get that or whatever and all of a sudden it's like you can't and now you're stuck that that might shut your job down um you know so it's just you know i would just encourage everybody to be you know start thinking about those things and be a little bit more proactive than reactive. Sure.
5: T- terry
3: royce i see you uh you know waiting patiently uh do you have a question for <laughs> unmuted do you have a question for uh, jimmy while we're here <laughs>
2: no i was just reading some of the comments in the uh in the chat i was uh i, I actually do
8: have a question for jimmy yes mr royce who's the best wholesaler in dmv <laughs> i mean i'm surprised you're not wearing a crown sitting on this video chat Shit, it got knocked off baby <laughs> we all know the real true look ian's ian's dying to chime in over there he knows the truth too i mean I i'm permanently muted don't, you know, don't hate the player, hate the game, right, big boy?
3: Uh, what, well, I'm just out I, I here like everybody else, man, just. hi, right, Jimmy, let's end with this. <laughs> um, what What's your thoughts? Um, I mean, I, I think I know what your thoughts are. I think all of us have very similar thoughts related to, it's kind of the watch and wait game for like the next few months, although I, I think every single person, if they see an opportunity that works, they're going to jump in on it, it's, it's that simple. And maybe they might be somewhat wrong on it, but, you know, that's all right. And longer term stuff are fine. I mean, the good part about your your uh, building, your new, sorry, your new construction stuff is it's not gonna be done in the next 30 days, probably, or 60 days anyways, I'm guessing. So like, hey, you know, you just keep working and it. And the good part is it keeps your, you know, it keeps your employees and it keeps your contractors happy. And I talked to one of our clients recently and she told me, she was like, I wanna flip a few more houses right now because like, I wanna keep my guys happy. Like they deserve to get paid. They've been loyal to me, I wanna be loyal to them. And in her mind, even if she barely, you know, if she kind of just broke even on her flip, she could at least keep her her contractors happy and to work and loyal and loyal to them. Which I thought was right. I mean, obviously, no one wants to lose money on a deal, but uh, you know, that was her that was her insight. And and again, um, who knows? This might be a little like, boom, uh, come come summer come summertime. And again, I mean, uh, you know, obviously, risk and reward kind of goes hand in hand based on it. And I think kind of sum up what you guys are doing is you're cautious but at the same time you know optimistic when possible
8: yeah i agree with that i mean i think that like i said before i think that you know we're definitely cautious now like we were talking about numbers at our meeting the other day and everybody's like oh what number should we be running now and i'm like i don't know i mean i don't know i don't know what it is is it you know is it like you mentioned before is it 90 percent? is it 80 percent? is it what you know is it you know of what we thought it was worth before so you know I think there's no, you know, there's no definite answer right now to that stuff, but I think it's going to come back strong. You know, so.
9: Yeah.
3: All right. So, wait we'll and see is there anything else related to like construction, building, building houses, things like that that would would help everybody.
8: No, I mean, I just what I mentioned before, I would just make sure that you can get, you know, get permits and you can get inspections done that if you are even if you're rehabbing houses, if you're relying on supplies coming from somewhere else, materials, whatever um you know you make sure you can source all those materials um you know things like that in order to you know because you know in the construction world you live off of draws you know what i mean so it's you know getting the work done is the only way you're going to get paid until you go to settlement so you know you don't want to be out all this money on you know on all this other stuff and then all of a sudden i can't get these stairs in and that's what's holding me up for my next draw um so just you know make sure that you you know are, are considering all those factors
3: gotcha Hi. Right. well good insight and i appreciate it and thanks uh, we'll, we will uh we'll chat with you soon and i'm gonna get uh i'll get all your everyone's gonna get everyone's contact here shortly uh we're gonna send an email out with everything so cool. we'll, we'll pass you. it we'll pass that a along. Hi, man all right we'll see you soon thanks all right rj is next let me figure out a way to update oh, there we go unmute rj yeah uh, hey rj what's up buddy
5: how you doing good how you
3: doing are you the only one dressed up on this call
5: hey I got a lot of heat the other
3: day so I <laughs> Damn. I'm just messing with you um where's your video feed go RJ oh there you are um I feel like on zoom everyone sees different things so <laughs> uh anyways cool let's hop into it um So RJ, kind of what are your thoughts right now, just related to what's going on in the market? Like, what do you what are you seeing?
5: So I'm still seeing the market move forward. And what I'd like to say is, thank you to the inspectors, the lenders, um, the title companies for trying to push forward in this unknown time. Uh, They're still out there. They're still getting appraisals done. They're still getting inspections done. Uh, I'm getting property inspection notices back. And I'm I'm ultimately telling you I'm going to get them faster because everybody is kind of in a panic mode. So with that being said, uh, I have, uh, I think three or four inspections, uh, for some sellers this week, uh, that the buyer's agents have already locked up and, uh, everything, uh, seems to be moving forward right now that, uh, that, uh, that I've seen and probably at a faster speed.
3: Nice. Nice. Um, let's talk about consumer confidence, buyers and sellers, like are sellers getting scared and are buyers getting scared?
10: <laughs> well,
5: you know, I, I think the buyer currently, uh, maybe has been shopping for some time. You know, they understand the market What they understand when a good house comes on the market to make a solid offer. Um, and then from there, uh, You know, the selling side of things, uh, people have been prepping their house for this time to get it ready for the market. So they're essentially uh, ready to hit the market. Uh, I think there's some nervousness on the seller side of things, or maybe some anxiety with uh, random people coming through their home, uh, random people touching things in their house, doorknobs, door door handles, cabinets, things like that. So, um, with that being said, you know, buyers are still buying sellers are still listing their houses uh I watch the market pretty aggressively uh and it seems to me if you're listing your house it's going under contract fairly quickly um whether that's going to be the case in the next three or four months um you know I I I beg to differ there you know I think it's going to slow down a little bit but you hope it picks back up
3: gotcha um I'm trying to think what else to ask you that I think is important to ask real estate agents. So obviously you're just Maryland. Um, we've got some other people coming in in some other states as well of, of of what's going on. I mean, obviously you're following general practices of making sure things are wiped down and safe. W- what happens do you think if people are just too scared to like go in other people's houses? I mean, well, do you think someone would buy a house without go looking at it, like with virtual tours or something like that?
5: You know. I had a conversation with uh, a colleague of mine yesterday. Uh, I don't know if America's ready to buy a house without walking into it. Uh, I think the uh, consumer, when it comes to home buying or, or the automobile uh, industry, it's an emotional purchase. So they walk through the door, they see themselves at a home in that property. Uh, you know, some houses may have a smell to it. You can't buy a house online. Uh, if it has a cat smell to it, uh, you know, um, so that's challenging. Um, so, and I use that as an example is because people buy on emotion, in my opinion, when it comes to the, uh, the world or America. So with that being said, I don't know, you know, look, does the virtual tours or the Matterports get them into the property? Does it spark their interest a little more? Yes, uh, 100%. I think that's a accurate statement. But I still think the consumer is going to need to walk in the house, and get that feeling or get the vibes that it's a good home or I say what it, uh, you know, the attributes of it or, you know, maybe the quirky things that the Matterport doesn't show on a 3D tour or something like that, that they either like or don't like. So I don't know if the consumer is ready to go full virtual and purchasing things sight unseen. Um, but from an investment side of things, from an investor side of things, it's just a pure numbers game to you guys.
3: Sure. What, uh, question for you, what would you, what kind of advice would you give other real estate agents right now related to the market? Like some obviously are scared They I mean, you're pretty fortunate that you've had a decent, you have a decent pipeline you've been around for a while. So like you have a, a following with buyers and sellers and you have a team and things like that. Like what kind of advice would you give to real estate agents that just are unsure of like, what should they do? Like, should they, should they go all in and be proactive and try to make a living with doing this over the next few months or, you know, back burner it for the future? Like uh, you have any insight or thoughts on that?
5: You know, from a new agent standpoint, uh, I think it, it create, this could create an opportunity for you. Uh, it's an opportunity to build the foundation of your business, to get your database organized. A lot of people are sitting at home now. Uh, it's a great opportunity to connect with your sphere um so when it comes to a career change uh look i think there's opportunity there's some people that are going to get out of this market because they don't have business in it and you're going to see people really increase or ramp up your business or their business um you know moving forward because they're connecting with the consumers they are connecting with these people sitting at home um i see a a, a comment on the side uh are you getting Higher than normal investment property listings versus standard homeowners listings. I have a fairly balanced business. I uh, have a, a good sphere of influence that keeps my pipeline filled, uh, and then also I have a good database of investor business that also keeps my pipeline filled. So, it's about 50-50 to 60-40 a lot of times. If I take uh, two to three investor listings a week, uh, I probably take uh, standard uh, retail seller. I probably do one to two or three a week. It just depends on the week. You know, a lot of these people, houses aren't ready. Uh, So when it comes to uh, the houses not being ready, there's always some kind of delay. Sometimes, whether it's moving furniture out or moving furniture in, or things like that.
3: Got it. Uh, I got one question just from Vadim who chatted this, and then Terry can ask his question. Um, Are you getting any higher than normal investment property listings right now versus standard homeowner listings?
5: I like that. Yeah, and you know, like I just said, it's a it's a fairly balanced business. You know. so when it when it comes to my side of things, uh, the business is, is is fairly balanced, you know, I, I try to work my database for my sphere of influence. Uh, when it when it comes to getting retail sellers and retail buyers. And then also I work on the investment side of things where I acquire investment properties for my investors in and around the Baltimore metro area. And it's just a matter of how fast their construction crews are moving and and when the house is ready. Terry, go ahead. Hey, Terry, how you doing, buddy? RJ, what's up, buddy? How are you? Good.
2: Hey, man, it's interesting you made a point a minute ago about um, how stuff still went under contract quickly. And so, you know, these buyers that are out there are in the uh, have been in the market. So they're aware of the conditions. And it's funny you mentioned that um, because I just wanted your take. I saw a stat that like showing, you know, showings this time last year uh, versus now are like way down but I kinda got the same impression too. We actually just listed our personal residence um, Monday and right off the bat, we got uh, within 10 hours, we got three agents that reached out where they're like, hey, we wanna get in because we weren't doing showings till this weekend. Um, and I, my, my take is that the buyers that are like, if you take showings for what they are, right? There's a lot of people that are tire kickers, but I feel like the people that are out there now are like, there may be less showings, but it's, it's kind of boiled down to the people who are like legitimately serious.
5: So. Yeah, it, it's, you know, people ask me all the time, like, when's the best time to list their house, right? And a lot of people, uh, I'm going to say, say springtime. Um, but I always have a really good market in like December, and uh, or I say, you know, October, November, December. And the reason why I share that is, is because there's a more serious consumer or a buyer out there during that time. Um, and that's where I think you're seeing right now. If people are out hunting for a house or looking at homes they're just not like window shopping they're serious they understand you know the liability to be out in public right now if there is any you know Um, but with that being said I think you know you're getting a serious consumer right now so if they're looking at houses uh, it it makes sense
2: yeah Sorry, I turned my sound down. There. Yeah, just uh, you know, I, I just kind of thought that was interesting. You brought up the, that point, and I just wanted to kind of get a little bit further of your take on it. Yeah,
5: and and you're like you said, you you listed your house. Uh, is it, uh, hopefully, it's under contract by now. Um, but with that being said, uh, I think there's some some real value having, um, I say, professional photography, three D tours on it. Um, exposure of your property make sure you're going all in on the marketing side of things and uh you know you're getting a serious buyer at this time you're just not having people just because it's a saturday come through an open house because it's nice outside so i think that has a tremendous amount of value um to the seller for yourself and or anybody but also you know the buyers understand the market and and hopefully it's good
3: yeah i uh I agree with that as well. That's kind of similar to the loan applications that we'd be getting as well It's people mm-hmm. that are, are serious, ready to go. Um, you know, we've had less, uh, loan inquiries, but higher quality. Um, and I, and I think that's, I think that's going to be the case with every, everything. You know, I think in general, like if you do seller marketing, it'll be the same thing. You know, yeah. the people that reach out are going to have the biggest motivations.
11: Yeah. Um,
3: and not like you give them a fair offer. It's so like, Oh, let me see. I'm going to go to this person down the street. Um, and, and, You know play them against you and see um so cool uh hey ian you want to ask a question real quick for rj before we we throw scott friday on
1: you guys say rj do you see uh are you allowed is there an issue with people over excuse me overlapping showings are you able to book time simultaneously or they canceled all that out
5: so we've been trying to not overlap showings um i always try to be proactive and call any of the showing agents that are showing my properties beforehand get the dialogue going um w- between myself and or representing the seller and or the buyer's agent and representing the buyer um, but with that being said uh, you know last weekend we still had some open houses that we uh hosted uh, we implemented new policies that just you know one family or one couple or one person in the house at a time so my buyer's agents hosting the open houses could kind of control the traffic control where they're going in the house, what they're touching, um, and just for, for safety. You know, you don't want, uh, I say, 10 different families or couples in the house at a time. Uh, it could just make for a bad environment. So with that being said, we implemented, you know, make sure you, you clean your hands, try not to touch anything you don't have to touch. If you want to open a door that uh, is closed, which they all should be open, um, we can, will the agent would do it for you. Uh, it's just a little less uh, I say hands or germs in the property Um, and it it seemed to work really well Uh, we had a fair amount of people through the open houses Uh, I want to say out of uh, five open houses we probably had a total of like 20 to 25 people come through uh, them all over
3: got it all right man I appreciate it
5: yeah absolutely thanks for having me guys yeah
3: absolutely we'll be in touch soon
5: Thanks
3: RJ. All uh, right, Scott, I'm gonna un- mute you in a second. Um, real quick on some comments, uh, that I'm just scrolling through. It looks like, uh, Ari wrote, I can't speak for everyone, but I just got two new tenants placed in Dundalk, both moving in April 1st. That's a good sign that people are, uh, still renting properties. Uh, okay. We well, yeah, going there about coffee. I don't know. You good?
10: You Sorry, all hungry oh, You all hunk, You all hunker down, Scott. Yeah, I'm. I'm ready, man.
3: <laughs> okay, cool. Is... Um, cool, cool, cool. All right. Well, why don't you real quick introduce yourself and then uh, just jump into you know some of the things that you've been seeing out there.
10: Yeah. So, um, everybody, one there. I know a lot of these people in here. My name's Scott Freitag. I'm a senior lender at Eastern Savings Bank, uh, primarily focused on the investment and and commercial side of things so uh yeah to say it's an arresting time right now is, is is an understatement as everybody um has alluded to
3: um what i mean is your bank still lending let me ask you yep, that
10: question first. yes we yeah yeah we, we're we're still lending um you know no, nothing's changed in our end and you know we're our money's not dependent upon the secondary markets uh sure. wall street if you will like many of the lenders that have kind of halted.
3: Um, exactly, so everything's portfolio based. What areas do you guys focus in?
10: Yeah, so I my, my, my primary business is local in the Baltimore metro area, but we lend in five states, Maryland, Delaware, Pennsylvania, New York, and New Jersey.
3: And all those states are still lending right now?
10: I, 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 I can't speak for all of those because pretty much my whole business concentration is local. Um, I'm, as, as others have alluded to in here, Title companies have been great. They're all funding. I got a deal closing tomorrow, Um, you know, so I, but I can't speak for the other areas. I'll leave that to somebody else that may have a better handle on.
3: Got it. Got it. What type of precautions do you see your bank taking right now just to be a little bit safer?
10: Yeah. So, I mean, I I think, you know, with, we're getting a, 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 you know, a a mass amount of calls from... (laughs) you know, people have been left at the table, um, so to speak, with these, um, these these 30 year fixed sort of type secondary market lenders just kind of retreating. And you know, who knows, some are gonna return, some may not, I, that remains to be seen. So we're getting a lot of those calls. Some of those people aren't gonna meet like a bank sort of type lending qualification anyway, but I, I probably see us in in the uh, the short term here maybe you know, being a little bit more, we're always pretty strict, right? We're a bank. We're going to go do global cash flow and the loans are all full doc. Uh, you know, most of the people have very strong credit profiles. So I see us maybe being a little bit uh, more selective, um, you know, maybe some of the marginal deals that we would do, we may not do. Uh, yeah. Maybe more cash reserves, I, I think is a, big, is a big area that will Uh, probably look at a little bit harder than maybe we did in the past
3: got it got it okay so i mean typical bank typical bank stuff i mean the good news is is you guys are still lending you want to actively be involved in the community and lend on the right projects but you know you're not giving away money at high ltvs like you want to be you want to be you want to be smart about it which which you should be and we talked about was it with rj or with jimmy Yeah, yeah with jimmy earlier related to you know, you got to find like, you know, supply and demand and what's what, it's got to be a fair situation. You know, there's not going to not going to see a lot of 100% financing um, with little cash out, it's going to be, hey, we'll put up $100,000 for your project, and you put up 30,000 or $40,000 for your project, and we'll give you a fair uh, interest rate on it. You know, you're bringing extra cash to the table. And, you know, we'll make the we'll make the deal work
10: yeah no and you know it's really interesting these times now you know and i'm sure there's probably people in this this um uh, this this chat um call uh whatever um that you know we may have come to me and we're looking for like an adl tv which we can certainly do we may not have done it on that particular deal but you know over leveraged people right now are probably the ones that are you know maybe maybe sweating more than others and you guys were alluding to earlier debt versus no debt so um certainly an interesting you know conversation um to have
3: got it got it got it um what else have you been seeing kind of out out there that you think everyone could benefit from hearing
10: well i i i think you know i see some people are being kind of reactionary versus um being proactive and and i i think all the landlords should be reaching out to their tenants as as much as they can to like let them know, hey, this is this is crazy times for for me as well as them. And it's gonna be difficult, but we we're gonna get through this together and kind of let them feel calm and then kind of figure out what your strategy is. I think it's important to let them know, hey, rent's still due on the first. Don't I don't think we want to lose sight of that because everybody's gonna hop on no evictions and are people going to try to take advantage of the system, possibly. But I think it's still important to let them know, hey, your rent's due on the first. And then, I think individual business decisions have to be made. Do I accept a partial payment? Because in normal times, are are you going to accept a partial rent payment from somebody? Probably not. It's probably not in the contract of the lease. So businesses have to make that sort of decision of how they want to proceed. Um, so I think letting those tenants know you're hey, you're you're here. You understand the situation. Um, there's a humanity side. You're going to work with them, but everybody's going to make different decisions um, on, on how they proceed. But And then I I, I think after having that is make sure um, – I certainly see it on the lending side. Make sure you keep really good records because they may come in handy when evictions start happening <laughs> six, eight months from now, whenever that time frame's is going to be, especially in, in Baltimore City. So
3: Fair. I, I think it's – I agree.
10: With I think you. that's really important that, you know, if you don't keep good records, that could come back to bite you, you know, downstream.
3: I agree. Um, I'm going to just go through a few questions that people asked real quick, and then you can uh, answer those. Um, what kind of DCRs are you looking at right now for commercial deals? Um, um, well, real quick, before
2: we
1: dig, dig in on that, Scott, yeah, the service coverage ratio, of the question I think is a really good one. Do you envision, or do you see not envision, because yep. that means you would be dreaming it? But do you see <laughs> lenders um, having to compress the debt service coverage ratio or expanding them, um, either one to get more loans through the door, or B to tighten up your requirements to force more capital into the door? I think it's a really good question.
10: Yeah, it's a it's a fantastic question, um, and I think we've always been. You know, you hear a lot of different things. Our minimum is one point one five. Um, You know, so I don't, you know, as of this call, we have not changed any of our criteria um, that we were doing, you know, a month ago or in January to now. So that's still in play. But I, I do, I, I I, think it's going to make sense. I think we're going to be, you know, it's a human element, right? By nature, you're going to be looking to say things have changed out there you know, is this deal too tight for us? I mean, they're barely squeezing in. Their reserves are their reserves aren't great. So I think all those things are going to be examined closer. So I, I think that's a very good possibility that you'll start seeing, hey, are we going to bump up and want to see a a, a you know a, a stronger debt service coverage?
1: Right. And I would also think that liquidity is going to become more important the further yes. down this thing goes down the road. Um, I think the more important liquidity in deals compressed LTVs, yeah. um, actual cash on hand verifications. And actually, well, I got you, uh, I don't know if you follow the market, but uh, Carl Icahn shortened commercial backed securities. Yeah. I mean, that's gotta be something that stinks a little bit, right?
10: Yeah, he is. And there was that other um, big guru over the weekend that put an article out that the, the whole more, the commercial mortgage backed securities market's going to, it's just get blown. Margin calls are happening. Um, yeah, it looks kind of ugly. I'll, Jason, I'll forward the Jason the article I got this morning. Out, it's at in CoStar. Um, it talks about that commercial mortgage markets and dire. Do, straits
3: do right you got? Do you guys have a heavy concentration in uh in um, you know commercial uh, office? Sorry, office uh, buildings that you guys
10: have. No, we don't. Against? Thank God. Most uh, mo- a lot of our exposure is. Um, you know, multifamily, single family rentals. That's good. A little, little bit of industrial, um, very, you know, even a little bit of less of retail. Um, and I, you know, it's funny. I had a $10 million office deal across my desk probably in the beginning of February. Thank God we didn't get involved in that deal. Yeah. No, I think that's... <laughs> yeah. Well, some... you know, what's really interesting about that is I, I think this whole, you know, we're all working remotely and doing this. I think the shape of the whole business world is going to change on this. Are large companies that now they, uh, say they had thirty thousand square feet, they've got all their people deployed throughout their area, wherever they work, working remotely. Are they saying to themselves, "Hmm, do we need thirty thousand square feet of office space?" That's right. I think that's going to change. You know, um, you know, we're we're in here talking mainly about residential. I think the commercial side might take a bigger. I do. the face Then we're going to take on the, on the residential i do side. too
3: i think the commercial yep. space is uh you know in trouble we had
1: so i got a ton of questions for jim choker's coming up uh discussing the office space i i think that space and not that real retail isn't dead it's really you know malls and stuff's really going to be dead yeah. eventually so. hey, let
3: me let me go through one other thing yep. um i don't know if you necessarily need to answer this scott it's just a question that uh, Joseph Jones put up there related related to this and then we'll let Mike Casey hop on yeah. um, he said how do people feel if the quarantine continues in the next month I don't feel the market has felt the blown from the circumstances just yet so I 100% agree with you that the market has not felt the circumstances yet and yeah. and, and I'm not sure when that's going to happen and I'm not sure how low that's going to go I do believe it's going to dip I don't know if it's going to be you know, a few percent or 10% or 20% or maybe even more um, and how long, it'll, how long it'll go for. That yeah. being said, I think what sums up a, what a lot of these speakers are talking about and what we agree with as well is that you know, we're staying optimistic and proactive because you know, I wanna be involved in the right transactions at the right time. You know, I was talking to somebody the other, the other day that lends and was like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm out of lending. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? It's like, I'm out of lending. I'm just gonna take a pause. And I'm like, well, what happens if someone comes to you buys a property for 400 grand and they just need a hundred grand? Oh, well i would do that deal it's like well you're not out of lending then like that, that, you <laughs> yeah. know it it's we're, we're going to find the right opportunities and the right deals uh that that come across and yes depending on your business model it might be affecting more than others personally i think if you're buying rental properties and they cash flow um properly you know if the market dips it, you're probably not getting affected it's a long longer term approach especially if you have the right capital the long-term capital on it right if we do a loan for a fix and flip investor you know, it's going to obviously, be, you know, that's a shorter term project um, with a lot of different variables. It's going to behoove us to lower our LTV a little bit, knowing that that after repair value today might be 200, but tomorrow might be, uh, you know, 190 or 180 or 170 or 160. We're just going to, you know, make proper precautions to do so. So I think the real estate, the residential real estate market has not fully seen anything actually at this point. Um, but I think it's going to how far, how far it changes, who knows um we're just going to see kind of what it does and you make smart de- smart decisions i think all of us are smart enough that you know we can you know, do your own due diligence and you know make a smart des- decision on a deal and you know chances are if you buy it's, it's like any asset you buy a good asset maybe it goes down maybe it goes up but if you buy the right asset yeah. and you can execute properly on it
10: you should be fine yeah i saw terry royce asked a, a pretty good question and he was asking about helox uh hey yay terry um i i i can't speak for that but i i i do foresee you know and i and maybe somebody can chime in on the on the on the on the chat um you know our heat like in the last downturn in 2008 most of the uh, banks started to freeze the HELOCs. uh because they were you know weary of their position well it was a totally different time and there were HELOCs at 90 and 95 ltvs um so yeah i think there's a good possibility you could start to see some of the banks you know, freeze HELOCs, if, especially if they think the, the market's going to dip.
1: Yeah, I agree. So
10: anybody that has a HELOC, they should probably get that in cash ASAP to, you know, so that they're not frozen out of that when they, if they do freeze them.
3: Yeah. And time okay. will tell what happens, you know, maybe this will be a few months. Um, you know, hopefully it's just a few months. Um, yeah. I mean, this is also a good potential reset related to, yeah. you know, getting the right people involved. And you know what, it doesn't matter if you've done a hundred deals or, or no deals. That doesn't mean that like, I don't, I don't, you know, I know they coin a term in a newbie. Like, I don't really love that term because let me tell you a lot of the really strong loans that we've done over the years and a lot of the really strong real estate investors out there, they're newer in real estate, but guess what? They, they're successful in life and because they're successful in life and they've saved money that they can put towards these deals. And, you know, they've they've learned and educated themselves. They're typically more successful on their first project than most other real estate investors that potentially half-ass things all yeah. all, the, all the time For so sure. i i don't think it matters how many deals you've done or or things like that like i think if you you, you buy the right project and you have the right mindset i think it goes a long way so bye, right, scott i appreciate yeah. it I thanks man. yeah no problem i gotta throw Mike casey on here since yeah. we're two minutes behind schedule Cool. Sure. appreciate it yep. um hold on mike let me unmute you mike you get the honor <laughs> of terry terry asking you questions okay
2: Lucky me. He told
3: me I wasn't, he told me I wasn't allowed to talk.
2: <laughs> King Balin making up the rules. How are you doing today, Mike? Good. Good. Cool, man. Um, well, hey, for those that don't know you, uh, I know a lot about you. I'm lucky to call you a friend and uh, business partner on some deals. But I know that you've got a, a few Airbnbs and you've got a lot of experience. But just for those that aren't familiar with you, give them a, like, a quick 30-second intro on like your airbnb experience and history just to so kind of a background
9: sure um i've been uh been doing airbnbs for five years now uh we have um, a couple down in ocean city and then uh some uh what well, you know, down to one here in the baltimore market um and uh so i guess in terms of what's going on right now things have dropped off terribly um It's actually, we kind of started noticing um, a change. Last year was awesome. I mean, actually with the last four years, everything's been going up. Last year uh, was record numbers for all of our properties. Everything uh, in terms of uh, profit just kept increasing. Um, And then we noticed a turn, uh, the beginning, actually the beginning of this year, actually in January, we started to notice things. Um, And then this month, uh, one of our properties here, like. Um, in, in Little Italy that was always rented every weekend, never had any vacancies or anything like that. This month, we've at zero bookings. Well, all, yeah, everything is canceled now at this point, so. So is, are things
2: canceled right now
9: in the short term, or what's the
2: forward-looking calendar look like through the summer and maybe even into the fall? Like, you know, I'm sure you guys get a lot of bookings for uh, conventions and people coming in town and Ravens games.
9: Yeah, so we've started to have um, – we've started to have people even long-term, um, even down at the beach and everything like that, uh, yeah, drop, dropping out now. So um, I know Airbnb on their main site, uh, they last updated it. I forget what the date was, though, but they've shut things down, um, bookings and things like that. Uh, they've given a 100% refunds to everybody. So uh, right now things are kind of tough. Yeah, I left, you know, for – you know, for the landlords and stuff like that, running these air Airbnbs. So even if you have like a no cancellation
2: policy, Airbnb, is still refunding that money.
9: Yeah, we had as we had a um, full refund policy anyway with ours. But I think I think I saw a notice though that showed up where uh, yeah, they put it kind of automatic where they uh, they were refunding everybody on, on all, all the rentals.
2: Okay. Have you had any people? Book at all during the last uh, two to four weeks, or has it just been pretty fl-
9: flat altogether? You've been yeah, no, no book. It just just oh, cancellations. Right. Yeah. So, what are uh, for
2: people that um, you had said last year was awesome? Just giving like a little insight, like to share the change numbers. Like, what kind of numbers on a monthly or yearly basis, either bookings wise or you know whatever you're comfortable sharing, were you guys looking at on some of your properties versus what you're seeing now?
9: Uh, sure, just for one specifically. I mean, that one that we uh, we have one in little Italy. Um, last year it would range on the lowest, uh, would make four grand a month, and it ranged up to making ten thousand a month. And last year it uh grossed seventy five thousand. And so, and that's one that yeah, that we have completely made zero, I'll have zero income for this month.
2: Gotcha. And I see uh, somebody posted a comment here in the chat that they're switching their Airbnb to uh, allow longer term rentals this week. Is that anything that you've looked into with maybe your little Italy property just with- uh, Yeah,
9: so I think that's what we're gonna have to do. Yeah, I think that that is what we're looking to do. And so we're lucky to have that flexibility with that property to be able to, uh, you know, easily switch that over to long-term tenants. Um, unlike though the Ocean City ones though, that are strictly depending on Travel like that is a little more worrisome. So we are lucky though that we uh, we did sell some uh, some Airbnb properties because of kind of looking at the market and everything like that, feeling that we were at a, at a peak and with what the income was, we, we uh, luckily sold some uh, within the last six months. So yes. Yeah. Nice.
2: So once I mean, as far as I know, uh, having known you that you're pretty pro Airbnb. Once all this shakes out um and let's just say things quote unquote go back to normal how would what's going on right now change or maybe not change your strategy looking at airbnb properties in the future because i know you've constantly been looking to acquire more um so just curious your take on that moving forward
9: yeah well so i think there's going to be some serious changes with uh regulations for like cleaning and stuff like that i mean it's all becoming a lot more regulated i mean with uh you know, having permits and stuff like that, uh, and registering your properties uh, in, in certain, um, in certain areas. So it, uh, I don't know, it'll be interesting. No, I, I don't think it's, it's going to be as, uh, as kind of like, you know, the those previous years. it was, you know, relatively easy. I mean, it was still important. I mean, cleaning is still a huge thing with Airbnb, and super important and kind of makes or breaks an Airbnb. But it'll be interesting to see what they come out with, yeah, in terms of trying to regulate um, cleaning and, clean, you know, cleanliness and stuff like that. But I think overall, though, I think it's going to be a rough year for the you know, for Airbnbs this year.
2: Okay. Well, um, I appreciate you sharing that. I know when you say it's a rough year, you're a pretty optimistic guy. So, but I think things are, I'm interested to see all this blow over. I think as it shakes out, um, has the potential to get some, Short, quick bookings that uh, could be more in, in line, but um,
3: yeah. And you know what else I was going to jump in about is, and, you know, hopefully this ends sooner than later, and hopefully by like the summer, the tourist industry is maybe not back to normal, but like back up and running. Like I bet you there's going to be a little mini tourist boom because people are want to get the hell out of their houses and get away and be on vacation. Yeah. You know, spring break locally here was like the first week of April, and you know we were doing a house in florida and the setup was and it was like a private management company it wasn't like you know airbnb or anything like that and i mean they they were pretty sticklers on it it was either like you forfeit half your deposit or you uh you gotta you know pick the same house that you're in but we can extend it you know to, to a later date so the way we have it set up is we weren't sure so we're going in like july and hopefully that's you know plenty of time but like i think people are going to want to go away and do stuff and you know, fly again. I mean, Southwest Airlines, $39 for a flight right now. Like might as well go book some travel in the future, you know, lock in on some, some cheap, cheap fares. Um, and I mean, our, our flight, you know, then is a, a 25% of what it was. So I don't know. I mean, I think, I, I think that hopefully all of this stuff is somewhat short lived. Um, obviously this whole time is really unfortunate for tourists, you know, t- tourism, restaurants and things like that. And I'm hoping that in general, if they can just stay afloat for a few months, that they'll be stronger than ever, kind of when everything comes back. Mm. Hopefully that's the case. Cool, any uh, last words, Mike? Um, No, other than,
9: uh, I mean, I do think there is a is gonna be a lot of kind of opportunity created uh, in the market. And I guess one thing that I've been uh, seeing recently and actually just got, um, a text today from a, a long negotiation on a commercial deal where actually I sent the paperwork back yesterday. We were going to walk away from a deposit. Um, but people are uh, very open and we've gotten a lot of ridiculous terms kind of recently with uh, buying deals underfinanced, Even with all the low rates and everything's with the banks. Um, I don't know, even just over the, like the last six months, I mean, we've been getting under deals at 0%, 2%, uh, 4% um so it's I, I think it'll be a great time in the market yeah for buying holds and yeah also creating notes even though it's a good time to get Oh, so. I mean,
3: and uh, thanks mike and one other thing related to this that's a good point to share with everybody is you know mike didn't go all in which is airbnb that's not his only income stream you know he owns commercial properties and residential properties and flips and rentals and stuff like that so you know unfortunately one side of the business you know, if you look at this positively, one side of the business isn't doing great, but the other side of the businesses could potentially be booming and there'd be opportunities there, so. Yep. Cool, man. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Bye.
2: Appreciate your input. Bye. All
3: right. Jim, you were up next. Uh, give me a second. I'm going to unmute you and, uh, oops. Hold on one second. I got to unmute Ian, too. We unmuted <laughs> all right hey. hold on jim i saw you somewhere hold on one sec get you unmuted uh-huh. so jim's na- jim's up next he's going to share some info with you and then after jim we got uh, mike shock who is a flipper and then um caitlin matthew who is a real estate agent in pennsylvania market. so that'll help everyone who's been listening listening patiently locally about local stuff you know where we got some expansion to some some folks up there as well so go ahead ian what's up jim hey, Hey, how are how you
1: doing? I can't see you. I don't know why, but whatever.
3: <clears throat> yeah,
1: I can see you. You're good. You can see Shivers. Yeah. All right. Either way, Jim. Most people can't see how tall you are behind that computer. I uh, just want to give a quick uh, rundown of who you are and what company you're with.
2: Of course. Can you hear me?
1: I can hear you barely.
2: Hi. Yes. Um, my name is Jim Shivers. We are
7: commercial real estate brokers. Um, we are locally owned and operated here in Baltimore. Our offices are right in Mount Washington, and we, we kind of focus on um, a lot of industrial and office, a little bit of retail inside and outside the beltway here in Baltimore. And I know. Um, I've done try to talk little a little, little
3: louder piece. if you can. Try to talk a little louder if you can.
7: I got these crappy headphones on. Let me yeah. These headphones. yeah,
3: try to take those off and see. Go okay. ahead. Way better. Much better. There you go.
7: All right, so yeah, we are local commercial real estate brokers We're owned and operated locally, our offices are in Mount Washington. um, And we do a lot of our business kind of inside and outside the beltway here in Baltimore. Awesome. Um, I noticed hopefully the
1: quarantines over so you get rid of that goatee and get back out and doing meetings. Um, We are supposed to have a closing um, a deal that you're representing on us happened Thursday. Uh, Some interesting things are happening. Are you seeing anything else like what we saw um, where buyers are trying to push back, renegotiate, buyers are failing or willing to lose deposits? Um, What are you seeing on that end?
7: Yeah, well, let me talk overall about kind of the status of what we've seen. And and you know this, Ian, and and Jason's been involved and also I've been bugging Terry to get involved in some commercial deals, but commercial real estate's had a hell of a run. I would say the past five to seven years, especially industrial um, and even, in office, and prior to this pandemic, uh, experts and pros, whatever you wanna call them, we're gonna say 2020 is gonna be another big boom in the commercial real estate. And I think one key thing important here for Baltimore and important for our recovery is, you know, we have a, a diverse, diversified economy here with med tech, uh, e-commerce, heavy manufacturing, uh, auto import and export. Our port continues to break uh, break records and kick ass. Food related businesses are strong and, and construction businesses. So it, we've what we've seen lately and, and Ian, um, you've probably seen this is that I think the investor deals are gonna slow down um, here in the next two, three months. The owner user deals are still happening. Uh, I've been on the phone this morning and, and yesterday and like you said, we're supposed to have a closing tomorrow for a, for a, a local or a, a national company um, that's gonna buy, hopefully our building on Patapsco, um, unless you tell me otherwise. Um, but you know the owner-user deals are still happening here in Baltimore. That's your construction company that has a need for a building that that um, you know wants to make it happen. But I think the investor deals are going to start to slow down a little bit here.
1: Yeah, and I think leading up to this, that rates were compressing. You know, cap rates were compressing anyway. Um, capital was easy for your owner-user types to go out and buy their own building, and it came down to I can rent for X or I can uh, I can buy for Y, right? Like so. In the end, it kind of worked out, I guess, for the owner users and pop that bubble. How you doing? Someone's just walking in the office. Um, But, uh, yeah, no, definitely helped pop that bubble. Now, something you brought up was about office space had a hell of a run going through 2019. Um, Coming into 2020, you know, who knows what that would have been. But now with everybody home teleworking, um, companies maybe having more strict policies on how many people are in a room. Like, how long does any of this continue? You see office space being – the new retail bubble. Um, what's your gut feeling on it?
7: Well, listening to Scott, and I'm glad Scott's not wearing a suit. If he did, I'd have to throw one on. Um, but you know, Scott actually made a point of your bigger tenants, uh, you know, twenty to 30, 40,000 square foot tenants that have you know office space, like for example, Leg Mason, even though they're they're vacating or haven't done already they're gonna feel the pinch more than anything. And one thing I'm gonna keep my eye on is, I, I live here in Locust Point, is the Port Covington project. And, and how are they gonna be able to survive the storm that we have right now? Just because, you know, I've heard just hearsay that they have um, they can't get their next round of financing until they have identified that tenant. So projects like that will be affected, I think more than anything, you know, your leg Mason vacancy, your biggest, your bigger office spaces will be affected. But still, I think you know, human interaction is a, key ingredient to a healthy economy. If people still crave attention, want to go to an office. Someone like you, Equity Warehouse, you want to go to your office and bother Dan for a little bit. Um, yeah, Jason Baylen, a yeah, Jason Balin wants to go and get to his offices. So your your smaller tenants, say five to 15,000 square feet are still going to be strong. It's just your, your larger type you know, national credit tenants are probably going to scale down a little bit and, and we'll, we'll start seeing that here shortly.
1: Right. And something that you brought up yesterday, I thought was interesting on our phone call. We have a few minutes left is I didn't realize that we actually have call centers here locally. Then you've leased a few properties to call centers. Um, And we all know that a lot of companies are operating from home, running their call centers, uh, tele, tele, telephone, tele call centers, whatever the heck you want to call it. Um, So I guess, is you know, I don't know how much market cap that has here locally, but I guess that's something else that we all need to consider is, you know how many people can you get into one room and what the repurpose is right
7: yeah I mean that's something i gotta make a call into one of my clients in december we filled one of his vacancies six thousand square feet of a call center um you know are those going to be non-existent now And who wants to be crammed into a small space when you have 30 to 50 people in a in a, in a tight area so that's something also we're going to be keeping an eye on
1: Yeah, and something else that you brought up earlier about the port, and I I think that's a valid point. You know, when you look at commercial real estate, you you deal with every um, facet of it, you know, from office space to industrial to class A full tilt stuff, is that our port's jamming, right? Like, you know, cars, there's gonna be a car bubble. Everything's gonna be on a bubble. That's all you're gonna hear for the next two years, right? But cars are still coming in through the port, goods are still coming in through the port. That industrial space, I mean, that, that's a true need, right? Between e-commerce, the port, um, people shipping stuff, right? Like, I mean, it's still a cl- asset class that's attractive, right? And always attractive.
7: No, and I've, I've been on um, internet reading JLL reports, CBRE reports, and kind of what they're saying here in Baltimore. And the fact where we're located, kind of mid-Atlantic, centrally located, we've got the port that's been kicking ass. We're due for a quick rebound um just because of that where we're located wide variety of different industries here in Baltimore we're we're lucky to have that I I don't think we're going to suffer like some other cities but Baltimore here I think will continue to be strong but you know the stress and anxieties that people have right now is is how long is is this going to last is this 60 days 90 days I think then we're going to be due for a quick rebound and we'll all be you know happier than hell towards the end of the summer but you know some reports that I'm reading this could go on for a year or 18 months and that's going to do some serious damage to you know your, your supply chains your truckers your you know the Horowitz family is not going to go to a movie or the favorite restaurant for a while and I know you love you know vegan food but um, <laughs> that's something that's you know the, the vendors that are going to be affected and they all all have you know rents or mortgages that they got to pay so the faster we get out of this you know the quicker we will rebound
1: Well, I know we were looking at a uh, a facility that you showed us, and it's not really our market space, but it it was a nice build-out restaurant bar type. I mean, thank God, you know, that we didn't buy it, and it wasn't in our asset class, and we were really uncomfortable with it. But how we bought it, I I can only imagine the phone calls I'd be calling you with right now. Um, (laughs) But yeah, no, it's uh, it's definitely you bring up a valid point of those asset type classes that can truly be affected. Um, before we hop off and pass it over to Mike Shock and Chris, do you have anything else you want to mention or what you're seeing? In-
7: yeah, I mean, I mean, this, this, again, where we're located gives us hope that the commercial real estate sector will return to normalcy here by this summer. Deals are still happening. Like you talked about the deal we're doing tomorrow. Um, you know, guys are probably going to be a little bit more um, over their deals and, and underwriting a little bit harder and see what the credit tenants arms of investing but you know business as usual for us um we're gonna have to ride the wave out here for a little bit but um you know thank you to have for having me and terry and jason thank you guys
3: yep thank you appreciate it uh cool hi man we'll be in touch we got it. we got mike shock on the mic next um hold on uh, mike let me un- unmute your thing are you there
10: yeah can i'm you- here can you guys hear me
12: yeah, there's Mike. What's up everybody?
3: Loud and clear, everybody. baby. <laughs> How are you?
0: Good. We are hanging in there, you know, uh, awesome. getting everyone's perspective, seeing what's going on. Obviously, different niches are feeling this whole thing in different ways. So I think it's been a really uh, productive talk to share everyone's experiences with everyone else. And also, um, I think we said at the beginning of the call, but I'll say it again, that we will, after the call, um, on the list, on the meetup. Uh, email list we'll share everyone's contact information in case uh, from all the presenters so um, in case something came up that people you know sparked something in people's mind they wanted to work on one of the presenters about so we'll make sure to do that uh, okay Mike um, what's happening in your world
12: uh, everything's everything's chugging along I mean uh, I, I was telling Jason uh, last I guess uh, yesterday that we actually had uh, uh, three properties go under contract. So uh, my wife's also a realtor. Um, not that we're ho- holding open houses now, but two weeks ago, right before St. Patty's Day, we said, well, what do people have to do? Nothing. So she ha- held uh, three open houses and she was slammed. She actually got two of the three contra- uh, houses under contract with three offers each full
0: price. So
12: wow, and these uh,
0: properties of your own that you had rehabbed and you're ready to sell?
12: Yeah, we just put our our, property we have up in Glendon, we put it on the market on Friday, and by Saturday we had two full price offers and we accepted one Sunday. So I think people are still buying. I think people, uh, you know, they need to move. I know a lot of our leads coming in for us to buy are people that are relocating, whether it's job or or whatnot, or they've already sold a house. So they're, yeah, I just, I don't see it. I see it slowing down a little bit, but uh, people are still looking to buy and sell.
0: Okay. Yeah. You know, one question I've uh, brought up a couple times, and I'd be curious to hear your input on it is where you think that, like you say, you just put three properties under contract this week. Where do you think these opportunities are going to come from? Like the deep discount deals, like what kind of scenario do you think would would create these low buy opportunities?
12: You know, it's funny because I think a lot of people are panicking. So our lead base, uh, lead generation has come in the last couple of days where, know we've gotten a lot of leads and when i'm talking to the people some people are saying that hey i want to hold off right now i don't want to sell other people are like i need i need to move i I need to uh, do something but i think the the low opportunity purchases will be down the road a little bit i don't think anyone's panicking that bad right now i think maybe as times get harder and um maybe things get tighter and maybe if unemployment goes up then that's where you'll see that but my biggest fear from a flipper, my wife being a realtor, is, is if the courthouse is closed and can't do the recordings. That's that's my biggest fear. It'd be like we yeah. went through last uh, last summer or last spring with Baltimore City closing down.
0: Yeah, we were discussing that earlier with a mean from Universal Title, and so far things are moving along. They're able to do electronic settlements and uh, recording documents in the courts electronically in most jurisdictions, and a few they have to mail away. Um, so it creates like a little bit more risk for title insurance, but so far they're still covering everything. So I, I totally agree because we, to, we need to close transactions. We need to keep the industry moving on some yeah. level, right?
12: Yeah, um, and you, you guys mentioned permits earlier. I know Jim touched base on it, but I know our permits, uh, Hartford County, they are a drop off. You go and you just drop off the uh, permits and then you'll communicate with them online and over the phone. I know Baltimore County, my contractor sent me a picture uh, you have to send, uh, I guess, do a, an hour appointment, he said, or call in and set an appointment. And then he shot me a picture of where everyone was sitting and they were all spread out. So if they are open, that's what we need to keep open because I have uh, friends in uh, other places, other other states. I know uh, Boise, Idaho's pretty much closed down their offices. Uh, California, I heard they're, they're shutting down some things as well. So, yeah, we got to keep this open or, or everything just comes to a halt.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And we're going to – we've heard some – some rumors about what's going on in Pennsylvania too. And we're going to have some people coming on talking about that too, because it is a, a market over overlapping market that affects some people on the call today. Um, how about on the tenant side? Have you uh, had any disruption coming yet on uh, rental properties?
12: Not yet knock on wood. And that's our, our probably another a fear of ours is that the tenants out there here well, I can't get evicted. So I'm there from just going to shut down and not pay any rent. That's our biggest fear. So, um, how do you combat that? I don't know. I mean, if unemployment goes up and nobody doesn't have the money to pay, I guess they can't pay. But uh, we are communicating with our tenants, uh, like was said, the previous speakers just communicate they need to pay, they need to stay where they are. But, uh, you know, I, I was reading also something about uh, some of these uh, messages on the side about these newbies saying, What, like a new investor saying, What can I do now? Guys, now's the time to build your team your team is your realtor, your hard money lender, your contractors, you never stop the momentum. Anyone who's out there thinking about pulling back, why why would you pull back? Whether you get the deal and don't do it, maybe you scrutinize a little bit more, but never stop the momentum. I was told that early on in business and, and I've always lived by that. You gotta keep the momentum going. And for the new people, once you get into a deal, you need to be able to close. If you say you're gonna do the deal, you gotta follow through, you gotta close.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a good point about the team building. And I also, uh, you know, like like we were talking about earlier, when, when things get disrupted like this, oftentimes the cream rises to the top. The people who you're going to want on your team are going to be the people who are still around, right? And then some people who are less prepared business-wise for an event like this might not be there. So no, I totally agree that, you know, building a team out of the people who did operate well, well enough through a situation like this is a, yeah, it's a really good call really good call i like that yeah i think the opportunities
12: too are going to be you know just expand your network now you know create the relationships now you know i think the, the, the we all know that off market deals are the best and i really think that's where a lot of these deals are going to come from like i said our lead generation we're we're talking to people that want to sell they're not holding back some people are a little apprehensive for the most part everybody wants to sell they want to move on find something new
0: yeah. No, I hear that. Um, what else is going on? Terry, you got anything you had in, uh, in mind um, for Mike or Jay? Anything additional stuff? I had a, a, a few questions on yeah. a list and I pretty much rolled through them.
3: Yeah. I mean, I agree, Mike. I mean, it's a good point. And if, if, you know, like Chris said earlier, I don't know if you were hopped on earlier in the call, but he was talking to a real estate agent on an interview a few years ago. And the guy said, during times like this is when I go all in. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go all in and I'm spend a lot of money on marketing and stay in front of people. And, you know, I know internally we're trying to do a lot of additional marketing, not that we really need to do it as much because lots of people need capital right now, but, you know, and we want to make sure we're always on the cutting edge and in front of as many people as possible. And it's with anything. It doesn't matter if you're lending money to somebody, buying, uh, buying properties, uh, leasing properties to, to tenants, you want to get the best of the best of the best. I almost cherry pick whatever best deals are out there. So whatever the best opportunities you can get in front of you right now, you're going to take advantage of. And if you don't have opportunities right now because you're newer or whatever your niche is, just doesn't have a ton of opportunities. Like Mike said, you're right. It's build, you know, build out your network, learn. I mean, I've, I've, since I've had more free, more free time uh, now and now in general, with like less actual transactional stuff, cause we still get a lot of lead flow. I'll tell you that the leads we're getting in recently have been more qualified like the deal per deal, like we would, you know, in, in general, we do a thousand, we get a thousand leads per month and we were closing 25 loans a month. And our lead flow is significantly less, but our lead quality is a lot better, which is great. You know, who that's the best case scenario. If, if, if you can do that, it's just like you go to do a marketing campaign and you get in five sellers that call you and all of them are somewhat qualified. You close on one of them like that. Those those numbers are great. So you can spend time on, on learning and listening to podcasts and educating selves on what's going on. And, I love being able to right now catch up on, on education and learning. Cause that's one thing Absolutely. that, you know, sometimes falls into the back burner when you're stuck on transactional stuff.
12: Yeah. Yeah. And, and just, you know, essential businesses out there. We just had, you know, we dug a well yesterday. We have home inspections going on. We have appraisals going on. So it's not like anything slowed down on that point. Um, our lead generation is up. I mean, we're busy. I mean, it's not like we're sitting here with nothing to do.
3: Exactly. And I'm going to guess that you, along with everyone else we've really talked to that when the right opportunities come, you're going to buy, you're going to buy a flip. You're going to buy a rental property. You're going to do what you got to do as long as it's the right numbers. And, um, you know, and I've not that we're in the stock buying business, but it can relate to, I've been watching a lot of these analysts, these guys buy and they're like, I would dream to buy some of these, you know, some of these uh, stocks at the prices I can get them at today. And yes, I might look like a sucker tomorrow. If these things decline 10 or 20% like they have, but you know what? They're good assets, they're good investments and the price is right, I'm gonna take advantage of them.
12: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's gonna be a lot of great opportunities down the road. How yeah. great will they be like before? Who knows, but. Yeah,
3: and like you know bad. what? As long as you buy it right and finance it right, you're fine. Yeah, exactly. And guess what? You might buy a property for hundred grand today and it might be worth 90 grand tomorrow, but you do the right thing with it and that works. And then tomorrow you might buy a property worth 90 grand. That's worth 90 grand. The next day you buy it for 80 grand, it's worth 90 grand. So like yeah. it, aver- it averages out. So yeah, I mean, I think you're summing up what, a lot of successful real estate investors have in mind as well is, you know, we're out there We're, you know, we might stay a little bit more liquid than we did in the past. So we don't pass up on opportunities. And, you know, maybe we got to play defense on our current projects right now. We haven't really talked about that. Um, Maybe you just got to play defense to just get out of your current projects so you can unload, get liquidity back and then, you know, move it to something more profitable.
12: Yeah. And what we're seeing is that when our projects are finished and we put them on the market, they're selling quick. They're not sitting there which is great news because yeah. we were a little worried that it would stagnate and, and we yeah. would take days of market would go way up, but it's not. Yeah. End.
3: And like you said, like, and we talked about earlier, if the higher power shut things down, we're screwed. Title insurers and, and, yeah, oh, yeah. and uh, permanent offices and, and courthouses and things like that. But I, I think based on, uh, you know, uh, other things that are currently in place now, they don't want to do that if they don't need to. <laughs> and they know, they know what happens if, if, all that falls apart. And there's a lot yeah. of people involved that would get hurt if uh, thing if, if real estate came to a halt. So but it looks like everyone wants to pivot and do whatever, you know, do it, you know, work remotely and you know, it's it's good to hear that everyone's still very proactive in this space and optimistic and not just, "Hey, I'm going to hide under my bed, you know, and wake me up in 3 months."
12: Yeah, it's definitely the wrong mindset.
3: Exactly. So I might certainly Bye, appreciate guys. it like always. Bye. Enjoy Thanks, yourself. Buddy. See you boys. So yeah, Caitlin, I'm going to unmute you. Ian's, uh, I think, meeting with somebody. So we're going to, me and you will chat <laughs> until Ian hops back on. Hopefully that's okay. Um, Asked to start your video. Unmute you. Hey, Caitlin, how are you?
13: Hey, good. How are you?
3: Good, good, good. Yeah, Ian just texted me. He said he had someone walk into his office. So hopefully oh, he's staying, you know, six feet distance, you know, six feet away and He's smart about his social distancing. He's probably not, but that, that, that's on him. So we'll chat in, until then. So Caitlin, uh, thanks for hopping on. Uh, maybe just take a quick moment, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, and we'll start with that.
13: All right. Um, I'm a realtor out of Keller Williams in Montgomeryville in Pennsylvania. It's about 40 minutes outside of Philadelphia. Um, going on my sixth year in real estate and I work mostly with residential home buyers and sellers and investors in Philadelphia, Montgomery and Bucks County.
3: Nice. Um, what are you seeing out there? Are, are people still buying? People are still selling? Like you might have to educate some of us related to um, if courthouses are closed or title companies are closed, but are real estate transactions in general still kind of moving forward?
13: Yeah, it's a... In Pennsylvania, it's been, I feel like it's been changing every 30 minutes. Um,
3: okay.
13: But, I mean, as of last Friday um, or Thursday night when the governor made his first announcement for um, shutting businesses down, I mean, everyone in the real estate industry was considered not essential um, and shut down. But our title companies are petitioning to stay open. And as of Monday, um, we're con- title companies and lenders are considered essential um real estate agents are not so
3: can you if someone came to you today and wanted to list their house could you do that
13: well so what i'm doing in my business and what i think a lot of people are doing a lot of realtors are we're in our mls we're um allowed to promote our market coming soon's. Um, but the tricky thing is you're only allowed to do that for 21 days ahead of time before you make it an active listing Um, so fingers crossed we're allowed to, um, sell real estate again or make it easier again the way we used to do it in 21 days. Um, so there's in Montgomery and Bucks County, there's, it's been a slow climb, um, with coming soon listings, um, for a lot of people are also taking listings off market or temporarily off market, um, or withdrawing as well so do you have uh, any go
3: ahead sorry
13: so what i'm doing personally with my listings and i have a few i've just been putting them in and marking them as coming soon um sadly i don't have any pictures of anything yet so once i'm able to get some pictures of um the properties then i'm gonna start doing some heavy virtual marketing and virtual tours and all over social media and stuff like that
3: what about properties that were already under contract with settlements in place with buyers looking to
13: <laughs> yeah. you know, move out um, of one house
3: and move into the new house.
13: Yeah, so this is where it gets pretty tricky as well. So um, I, had, I had a few uh, transactions under contract. They're still under contract. Nobody's pulling out of those. Um, so what Pennsylvania Association of Realtors put together um, a, a new addendum uh, just for this situation. What it does is it pretty much kind of puts a pause on any of your properties that are uh, any of your transactions um, currently, right? Um, if you're putting in an offer on a home, you can submit the addendum with it. Uh, what it does is if seller sellers and buyers agree to, um, to the addendum, uh, then it can put a 30 or a 60 or a 90 day pause until you can meet, uh, your contingency timeframes.
14: And,
3: are, so, and do you feel people are just backing out though at that point? or Are they still staying in the game?
13: I personally haven't had anyone back out. Um, I, we're not allowed to be as of Monday, we're not allowed to be out showing homes anyway. Um, there are some people doing that, but I don't think that's in business best practices. Um, so uh, there's been, since Monday, it's kind of been like a whirlwind of trying to figure out exactly what to do. Um, but that's, that's, yeah, that's kind of, that's how I'm working it. Um, it. But yeah, so the agenda will protect you. So because we're not allowed to, I have a few people who haven't even had their inspections done yet. And there there's a few inspectors out there, but I don't know them and I've never worked with them. So I'm not going to put my buyer's best interest in someone I don't know and don't yeah. work with so we're going to be done.
3: See and, and potentially an issue that's going to come up eventually come out of this which is not necessarily a good thing is if this market starts taking a turn for the worse and starts depreciating you know these buyers are going to second guess some of these things and I don't know if they're still liable to buy or not but hey if I'm buying a property a primary residence for $200,000 and then I see that you know the market's shifting and I could probably get it for 180 I'm probably just going to back out of that and move forward if they have yeah. the ability
13: to, and that sucks, well, unfortunately. Yeah, it's. A, I mean, like, every situation is going to be different and tricky. Um, I had one of my clients. Uh, he works in the travel industry, so he's at a big risk of losing his job. One of his big competitors uh, lost his job, but luckily his wife is able to carry the loan by himself. Um, so you're going to see. I'm sure you're going to see a lot of that because not everyone's qualified, obviously, to.
3: yeah that's it's unfortunate i don't know if you were on early enough when i was telling a story about we had a property that we had foreclosed on that we sold and it you know the guy put under contract like two fridays ago i'm supposed to settle last friday and he he got cold feet at the table and it was a cash deal and he and he was like just take my deposit like i'm uncomfortable like i'm not sure what's gonna happen and that was fine but like he wanted to extend it for 30 days. And I was like, we're not extending it for 30 days. Not because like I didn't want him as a buyer. And if for instance, he comes back in 30 days and wants to settle again, we'll sell it to him if it doesn't sell between now and then. But like, I just didn't want to keep us on the hook for it. Um, yeah. and, and, I, and I think that's going to be t- hard for buyers and sellers of like, Oh, let's just pause for 90 days. Like shit changes in 90 days, unfortunately. Right. But,
13: um, um, so I guess if, uh, if you're representing a seller, and if you're a realtor, the what I would do is I would um ask for bigger deposits, you know, ten depending on how much the house is. Yeah, to you protect yourself in that way.
3: Yeah, fair fair enough. So okay, so no real estate transactions can even get on record. Like let's say I'm an let's say you have a it's a private sale. Let's say you have a property for a hundred grand, you want to sell it to me and I buy it from you. Good you can do
13: that. You can do that. It's just, um, you're not gonna be able to get it. I mean, there's always a, a way to get things done. It's just like, you know, if you, if, if you want inspections, that's not going to get done. If you want to get a UNO from the municipalities, that's not going to get done. Um, but title companies are now open. So, and, and lenders are working. So got it. I mean, well,
3: the only reason I was asking is like, cause we have an office in Philly and one of our partners, Ian is hopping on in a few out in a few minutes, not a few hours, a few minutes. And I'm pretty sure, I mean, we close deals in that office in Jersey, Philly, and Delaware pretty regularly. Uh, I don't know if that's a Pennsylvania thing or a Philadelphia thing that you're taught. is a PA thing, right? It's the whole state?
13: Yeah, it's, it's uh, ordered by the governor. So, yeah, it's
3: a PA thing. Okay, yeah, because it's because it's interesting. And again, like, I don't know if there's real estate agents involved. And I mean, these are off-market investor deals. But yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm curious. So yeah, I mean, what are you kind of doing in, in free time without there being a lot of transactional work that has to be done.
13: i um, just building my database. Um, I've already been doing a lot of virtual stuff anyway, um, but I'm just putting myself out there for buyer seller consultations, um, either on something on zoom or Google meets or even just FaceTime. Um, so I've been promoting that pretty hard. Um, I've just been reaching out to all of my past clients and potential ones. Uh, and just been calling them and keeping them updated with what's go- happening in the real estate market. And I've been, a lot of people are very interested in very good discussions. So it's just another, and uh, it's another way to reach out to people and just kind of offer them them help, uh, see if you can help them in any way. Um, unfortunately, there are, I think there are gonna be a lot of people that aren't gonna be able to afford their homes after this whole thing is done, so. Um, Sadly, I mean, I hate to say it, but they might have to sell their houses in a few months. So, um, just trying to build my database. And uh, when this hope, when the dust sort of settles on this, I'll be ready to go. And um, I think there'll be a lot of houses to sell, and um, buyers will still be out there. So, because we were coming from um, a very competitive spring seller's market, what, like two weeks ago, at least up here. I mean, we were going through open houses where there would be like 100 to 200 people coming through these open houses Um, Yeah, and like 10 offers. You know, it's just this area. I don't know how it is in the rest of the world, but um, it was pretty crazy. And then it just kind of came to almost a dead stop, right? So I think people, buyers and sellers, are just kind of waiting, um, kind of waiting it out until we get the go-ahead to resume what we were doing before this whole thing started.
3: Exactly. And I guess we'll see what happens because interest rates are still low. Who knows what's going to happen with with that. But, you know, like earlier I was talking about with RJ, this guy, uh, realtor RJ, he listed a property for us. And we very quickly, we got a property under contract above market because the guy wanted to lock in at a low interest rate. And, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't nervous about it. And he was like, hey, you know, I need to buy a house anyways. I might as well take advantage of it now. I want to lock in and do it. And, you know, it worked. So. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see what happens. Hopefully for everyone's sake that this gets moved along very, very quickly and everyone get back into business. And I'm willing to bet that we kind of have a little boom with a lot of things, especially with real estate, if if the rates stay low as things right. kind of come up, like people are wanting to get back in their way. I mean, especially if it happens in the summer because people were probably planning to move in the spring so they could get into new school districts for the fall. Um, you yeah. know, and and maybe they have to make quicker more emotional decisions than they had to in the past so that could potentially be a good sign you know we still might have backlash related to banks being able to you know process the loans that quick especially if they're laying people off now and then they get like a mini boom but you know those are all (laughs) kind of bigger picture things that could occur right cool all right well i appreciate it is there anything else you want to add uh we're gonna we're gonna pass everyone's information there was a few people that chatted asking for your info they said, "Hey, okay. I'm, a fe- I'm a fellow uh, Keller Williams agent." Um, yeah. I, I saw. I saw a few things. Uh, Roger is looking for your information. He's, he's looking for a realtor in PA, things like that. But we're gonna pass everyone's info along, so we'll uh, we'll get that. And yeah, I mean, if you wanna add anything, feel free. Yeah.
13: Um, just that. Uh, that I think it's interesting that. Um, Nobody has ever dealt with this situation quite like this before. I mean, similar, but not quite like this, right? So I think it's important um, to realize with any transaction that everyone's just sort of navigating through this. And um, if we can just sort of support each other, like keep doing things like you're doing with these conference calls, and even just a phone call to other people that you're working with and local businesses and just trying to help and support each other, um, I think that's important. And- Sure. Um, Go birds.
3: <laughs> Fair enough. I appreciate it. I, Mike Wagner, you are up next. I'm going to unmute you and your good old buddy uh, Terry. Oh, there you go. Hold on one sec.
1: Hang on one sec.
3: There we go.
15: Howdy, how we doing? Good. How are you? I'm really good, man. Thanks for having me on. It's been a great conversation so far. A- absolutely, Terry. Are you, uh, you
3: unmuted. I know. Are you just sitting there silently in your basement?
15: <laughs> King Balon unmuted me.
2: <laughs> Thank God. Playing, playing host dictator over there. Jesus. Um, no, I'm good. Hey, Mike. How you doing today, man? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, appreciate you hopping on here. Um, you know i'm lucky enough to well unlucky depending on how you view it, to uh know you pretty well and call you a friend and uh you're also one of my coaches so i'm glad to get to spear you a little bit today so uh but th- for those that don't know you tell give a little quick 30 60 second intro about yourself just so the people here in the baltimore market know you and what you do and your past and current experience
15: yeah i am uh, long story short i live in western new york about 350 miles from the hotspot that is New York City these days. Um, and I started out as a, a typical landlord, buying duplexes through four families and fixing them up and renting them. Ultimately, I, I wasn't making as fast progress as I wanted. This was back in 2007. So around 2011, I pivoted completely and transitioned into self-storage. And that's that's all I do now. Our strategy is simply to buy undervalued storage facilities and optimize them, get them up and running, and then either live off the cash flow or sell them to extract our equity and move it into the next project. Uh, so it's, um, you know, it's a, a very low volume, high margin game. I'm, I mean, where I know a lot of you guys are doing 100 deals a year, I'm, I'm eight or nine years in and I've done five deals uh, of my own. I also coach some folks um, and I participate as a minority partner in those and, and they do a little more higher volume just because there's 10 of them instead of just me. But, uh, in a nutshell, that's what we do.
2: Cool, man. So tell, um, what have you been seeing the last year or two in regards to self storage? And then what are you seeing now within the last two to four weeks? Um, you know, I know I've had some offline conversations with you, but just to share with everyone on the call, what, you're, yeah. seeing what you expect.
15: Yeah. And here's the deal. Like I, storage has been a buzzword for a while now. It's been a relatively hot market. There have been people in our industry for three or four years saying that um, you know we're at the peak and things are about to turn downward and, and yet it hasn't happened and we keep rolling. Um, as far as how things have changed over the last you know two to four weeks with everything that's been going on, it's really hard for, for me to say, I think it would be hard for anybody to say in my industry, or at least who uses my strategy just because it's so early. Uh, what I see this very unique set of circumstances offering us uh, who are in the storage industry is really a couple of good tests. Uh, for one, and, and anybody who's heard anything about storage, one of the things they usually hear first is that it's quote unquote recession proof. And I always caution people against that. It is, it is not recession proof. I don't think there's any such thing. Uh, But I will say that I believe it to be recession resistant. So if uh, the greater market experiences uh, any sort of correction in the coming weeks, months, hopefully that will be the extent of it. But if the economy has a greater ripple moving forward, we're really going to be able to see is storage as insulated from the greater economy as we all think it is. I I tend to believe we're going to get confirmation um, and, early signs of that. Again, this is far too early to to draw any conclusions, but over the last two weeks or so, I'm I'm an owner in three properties currently of my own, and then eight or nine of my students, and I have access to all our occupancy info, and we've all experienced an uptick in the last two or three weeks. So, you know, one of the things that, two of the things that storage kind of relies on are consumerism. So, when the economy is good and Americans are buying a whole bunch of crap, we're happy to give them a place to put it. And they pay us monthly rent for that. Um, and so one might think when the economy tanks or at least softens, our market rents, our occupancy might kind of soften and go down. But um, kind of the saving grace in storage is that we also, our demand can be bolstered and driven by transitions. And clearly when there's uncertainty and and when the economy softens, a lot of people are downsizing foreclosures, that sort of thing. So what we lose based from the consumerism driving force we gain in that transition. So, um, I'm excited. You know, I wish it weren't in such tra- tragic circumstances if that's not too dramatic a word. Um, but I am, I see it as an opportunity to really test uh, what I think I know about the industry that I've been in for the last nine years. Uh, the other thing I'll say, I mentioned two tests. The other one is, I think it's going to be a good test for, uh, the strategy that I've deployed myself—I know Ian earlier in the call mentioned uh, uh, some conversations that he and I have had back and forth about leverage and what it's good for and what it's not good for and that sort of thing. He made me out to be the uber-conservative, non-leverage guy, which is only half true. Uh, um, but it, you know, I—I I think leverage is hugely powerful. I used it to build, you know, the portfolio that I have today. My point is always that there's. There's a time at which enough is enough and deleveraging can be a very wise move. And that's what I've been doing for the last couple of years. So long story short, I just wanna share with you the strategy I've deployed from a conceptual standpoint because this can apply to anything, not just self-storage. Um, and I am very grateful that um, that I've been adhering to this up until now, just because it gives me a level of comfort when a lot of people are feeling uh, a little more rattled by some of the uncertainty, at least in the circles that I've been talking within. Um, And that is this, right? We, we operate in tertiary markets, which uh, are the last ones to feel the, uh, you know, the ripples from wall street when things get shaken up there. Uh, The folks where I am investing don't feel it. We're talking about very rural markets. um, Some of the least populated counties in in some of the states that we're operating in um we also do value add and so uh, we're buying right 40 50 cents on the dollar um and then i think most importantly is that when we make a purchase it's always and i get this question from investors a lot well should i buy this one it doesn't cash flow great but i could flip it quick and i always err on the side of being conservative and say listen you need two viable exit strategies and so you may think you're going to flip it quick, but if there's a virus all of a sudden, right? Who would have thought that could be one of the things that stops you from selling a storage facility? But all of a sudden that's a reality that nobody saw coming six months ago. Um, And it's just an example of uh, if you put yourself in a position where you win, whether you flip it and make quick cash or you win if you hold it long-term, say three to five, 10 years, if that's still a victory for you, there's no way to lose because one of those two things are going to happen. You're either going to sell it or own it, right? Um, and so, uh, I'm I'm excited from an investment standpoint to see how this plays out over the next couple months. My hope is that everything within a couple weeks or months lifts and goes back to normal, and maybe we do even see a bit of a surge um, because of pent up demand, you know, in all realms.
2: Yeah, you, something I want to touch on. You mentioned that uh, you, you could see this potentially driving occupancy on your properties up. Um, you know, in theory, that could drive the the income up. But do you think that would drive the value up, or the cap rates are going to change a little bit depending on what the you know the turnkey buyers models are?
15: Yeah, that's a really good question, and and I think it's a valid point to consider. It just because our income goes up doesn't mean that our valuations will also go up. Now those things are usually tied together, but if there's other forces, as you mentioned, like uh, uh, changes in the cap rate that are associated with either, you know, tighter lending restrictions or, or whatever the case may be, we may or may not see an actual, any actual increased equity as a result to our uh, increased income. But the thing is that that's the beauty of it. When your income goes up yes it'd be nice for my my revenue to go up and my value to go up but if either one of them is going up i'm not going to be in that much of a hurry to take any action right i'm going to wait until we've gotten to peak valuation um so the other the other thing i want to touch on is is that when well one of the things that i believe Gets storage investors specifically in trouble is when they start to blur the lines between investment and speculation. And I think where we as an industry are most guilty of that is with ground up development, where we're taking on these anywhere from two to $10 million. And and this is not my strategy. It's not something I do, but it's out in the world and it's been very rampant for the last decade or so in storage is, um, you know, developing from the ground up these very large class a facilities in prime markets and you know throwing together pro formas that look relatively legitimate yeah we're going to take this seven million dollar project it'll be worth 11 million within four years and looking at it from the ten thousand foot view it looks to make sense until you realize that the exit cap rate required to get that are today's cap rates. And we have no idea what they're gonna be three to four years from now, right? And so that's where the speculation takes over. And with numbers that big, a cap rate shifting just by a point or two can basically cannibalize all of the profits, right? And so that's that's kind of what keeps me out of the development game and, and why I prefer to kind of mitigate risk through buying existing value add properties and then tacking on some expansion or development to those properties. The difference being we're funding the entire expansion through the project itself in the form of cash flow.
2: Awesome. I know we got a, uh, just maybe a minute or two more here. We got to wrap up, but um, is there anything else you want to share about your experience with uh, self-storage or your, I know you've got a lot of uh, insights to share a lot of different things versus leveraging, deleveraging storage or whatever it may be, but just uh, anything to wrap up and also uh, drop a link in the chat here to your group. I know you have a pretty f- active Facebook group. Um, after you hop off, people can join and connect with you.
15: Yeah, right on. I'll do that for sure. I, I think my thing is, again, I'm not opposed to leverage. I think it it's a very powerful tool. Um, <laughs>
10: my
15: my 60 second soapbox that I'll jump on is that it lever- there's nothing wrong with it. As long as it doesn't compromise your ability to survive the uncertainty that, that, gets thrown at us in situations like this, very quickly, you know, the world looks at you can't, you can't have the reward without the risk. And I I know that to be true, but I also don't believe and I reject the idea that you need to take bigger risks to get bigger rewards. I think as sophisticated investors, we can all benefit from knowing that we have the ability to compress our downside risk to darn near zero. To where if things go sideways or upside down you don't have to feel that in your daily life it'll bruise your ego a little bit and and you'll wish you had done it better but it doesn't have to change your day-to-day life if you structure it properly and so that's kind of pinching that downside risk and yet retaining probably not all of but most of the upside it's kind of like swinging for a base hit instead of a home run um, so take that for what it's worth I will pop in my link. Uh, if anybody wants to talk storage, I'm always happy to do that.
3: Appreciate awesome. it, appreciate it. I love base hits. <laughs> hey, listen, you do four base hits, it's a home run with a lot less risk. That's, uh, that's, that's my thought process. Thanks, Mike. And, and you gotta and, get on second if you wanna steal third, right? Yeah, exactly. I, lo- I love it. Listen, slow and steady wins the race. Cause like, if you're like, if you could jump up like this, chances you're gonna fly right back down if you just tick along over and over and over and over and over you know you get a little speed bump here and there it's not the end of the world uh appreciate it definitely definitely appreciate you chiming in all right so next up we got Ryan Huck I'm going to unmute him uh in a second and then after that we have our partner that runs our Philly office Ian Walsh uh another actually the, the last two people are both Philly Jersey area so that'll be that'll be uh helpful since a lot of the stuff we've been focusing on has been um uh, uh, DC Maryland Virginia and soon as Ian's done we're gonna do a little QA for as long as ever, all you uh, brave people want to be be around um, <laughs> so I know everyone stuck around we had about 370 people that started we got about 172 people still left uh, which is which is great I know this is kind of kind of long but I think it's important and I'm hoping everyone's getting value and I'm sure people are also going to have some questions afterwards so uh, Ryan, I'm unmuting you and uh, hopefully you can hear us and we can hear you. I can hear you, can you hear me? Absolutely.
1: Hey Ryan, what's up Ian
11: over hey, here? Hey Ian, how are you? Good.
1: Hey man, uh, just real quick, if you want to introduce yourself, where you're from and what you do and what brokerage you're with.
11: Yeah, um, I'm from Ocean City. Oh, I'm getting some feedback, let me see if I can. I'll just take one piece, I'll should you help. Um, from Ocean City, um, we do a lot of vacation, second home sales, second home uh, rentals, investments, and rentals in general. Um, been in the business about six years. So I've seen it from the flatness after 2008, all the way up through the current run and where we sit today.
1: Okay. And so what do you think? Um, so currently, what are you seeing in the market? Are so you, I'm assuming you do some of the weekly vacation rental stuff. I know you concentrate on a lot of home sales. Um, Have you seen a little bit dip in the market? Have you seen prices catching up, getting away from you? Are people retracting? Um, And also, if you could comment on uh, week-to-week rentals. Do you see the week-to-week rentals that you normally guys get down there um, in Ocean City, New Jersey? Are they still moving along?
11: The weekly rentals and, and our local economy really depends on about three months from June, July, August. Uh, We make all of our income, all of the businesses, all of the uh, vacation rental investment owners, these second property homeowners down here. If they're not making that income in in pretty much that 10-week gap, then we could have a lot of stress put on those homeowners. Um, People are, the phone's ringing off the hook right now trying to cancel their rentals because they don't know when they're going to be allowed out of their homes. So right now they're thinking, whatever, I'll just cancel. And then if we're allowed back out, I'll just rebook a home at that point.
1: Right. So you are seeing some cancellations down there then, or people are trying to cancel anyway. Um, that's Correct. pretty interesting. Now I know uh, when I ran into you a few weeks ago, we had an interesting conversation of the last time you saw us instead of people doing big extravagant overseas trips, they were actually staying closer to home. Do you see that happening again? And if you could go explain <laughs> a little bit about that, um, like what we were discussing.
11: Yeah, so in 2008, we actually saw a boom in our rental market, which is Saturday to Saturday, uh, again from June to the end of August, early September, pretty much follows the school schedule. And what we found was instead of having lavish overseas vacations and in this time, you're gonna see people maybe being averse to getting on an airplane or spending money. Uh, A lot of people hop in the car where they think it's safe and cheap and all the money's pretty much spent in the home rental for the week and you're looking at 30 50, 40 50% of what it might cost to do that big vacation they had planned right so yeah so think- we are actually we are actually hoping depending on when we're allowed back out of the house um, we should see somebody mentioned on here earlier a boom in our tourism market and that's what we're hoping for a lot of very late rental bookings but actually booking us out and flocking to town now yeah. right now actually talking to people that own property here and this is funny to see uh in a time like this we have pennsylvania go on lockdown and a lot of the homeowners are now here riding this whole storm out in their second homes so they kind of sh- they're seeking shelter and their asset down here in the store in the ashore uh,
1: yeah, I guess that's the advantage of having a, a shore house um, or a second home anyway, you have somewhere to flock to. Uh, with that being said, you guys have a lot of spec builders down there. Um, guys that have come up out of the ground with a, you guys got some crazy developments down there. And we, we looked at a few houses that were insane. Um, do you see that market continuing? Those guys have such a refined business. And I know you represent a lot of them. What's your feeling on those guys and what their path takes them down
11: um, during this market? In this current market, I see any struggling homes, teardowns, homes that need a lot of work, they're not gonna move right now in in our market down here. Uh, Turnkey, new construction, I think, although it's kind of quiet right now because people just can't get out of the house to take a look at these homes. Once we're allowed out, what I'm thinking is you're gonna see pent up demand with still low inventory and all those nice homes, the new constructions, they're all gonna sell people are going to come down, use them for the summer, buy them, rent them for the summer. Or if it's not that soon, they'll probably buy them in the fall and they'll be ready and geared up for the following summer, 2021. But the, in the investors, the developers themselves, um, one of ocean city's biggest, possibly the biggest developer has put all of his current contracts to buy, uh, tear downs on hold or pulled out. And he's walked away from, if someone wants to go after his deposit, he's willing to walk away from it.
1: Wow. That's a, that's a pretty intense move. I mean, you know, if you're saying he's the biggest developer, I can imagine he has six figures plus out on deposits, maybe close to seven figures. So that's, that's pretty crazy. And he
3: he probably has other guys that were speculators that are following his lead too.
1: Well, and you got all that soft costs and everything else that um, it's not just a deposit that I don't think people realize that they lose. It's, it's soft costs too, architects and everything else, you know.
3: Yeah, and vendors you'd be using for projects. Yeah,
1: Ryan, um, what about people looking for a second home? Do you think this is the time to come in and scoop up a a second home at a discounted price or, you know, you think we have to wait a year and see what kind of fallout comes by?
11: I think to answer that question, honestly, you have to see how soon we're allowed out of this and how quickly the economy stabilizes and people are okay with, okay, I'm not going to lose my job. I still can't afford that second home that I was thinking about buying. And if it's June, remember they can't settle until maybe July 1st, but more likely middle of July. And then how much summer are they gonna get anyway? So it's really critical for us, unfortunately, right now is our big time to be selling homes and everyone's in by the summer. So it'll be interesting to see when everyone's recovered and starts coming back down here again. Um, I do think the see most of our homeowners down here are very financially stable. Something like this isn't going to bother them too much. Right. Um, a lot of them own a you know a million two million dollar home down here at the show at the shore. They use it for one month and that's it they don't rent it it's just something that they come to and they use for a few weeks or a month. Um, others that I think will be harder hit by this are uh, like some of the Clients, I would say probably about half of my clients, they're looking to make a purchase. They want it to be an area that they like to use themselves. um, But they're also relying on that rental income to offset their mortgage payment. So, for example, I just had one close uh, about three weeks ago. And with everything that was starting to go on, he was getting real nervous and said, you know what, you got a really great purchase price. It's new construction. It's going to rent." Um, but someone like him, he's like, hey, I can't, I just barely had enough to get the down payment. I was really banking on that $40,000 of income to pay for the $600,000 house. So if that income doesn't come in, you might have an influx of um, motivated sellers, probably in the 400 to a million price point, And there'll be condos rental properties.
1: Right, And you might be
11: able to get a a little bit of a discount. But the one thing that we do have is extremely low inventory. And unless those type sellers start flooding the market over the next month or two, we're going to come back into this with still extremely low inventory and pent-up demand.
1: Right. Uh, I don't know if Jason's going to let us go much longer, but uh, I don't know how often you get out of Ocean City, New Jersey, and shoot up to Atlantic City or over to Wildwood. Do you see those markets dipping a little bit or it's a little bit uh, softer maybe with uh, your buyers? You know, they're they're in the two to $300,000 price range and it's a second home and same type of thing. Do you see a little more dip in those types of markets? Because I know Atlantic City was just starting to make a bit of a resurgent on the single family market. Um, I'd be interested to hear what you have to say.
11: Yeah, both of those markets, actually. It's interesting you brought that up. Um, I've actually been focusing a lot of my attention into buyers looking into some markets like that. Um, People right now are looking for cash flow properties. Investors are looking for something that's going to pay them back. Whereas in Ocean City, you kind of have to rely on the appreciation of the home as well. It might just barely cover itself. It might cash flow a little bit. It might cost you five grand a year to own. But down the down the line, you know, 10, 20, 30 years from now, you're going to get what you paid for it, all of your rental income, and then add another twenty, thirty percent to that. That's what you're hoping for. Right now in Wildwood, I have a, I actually have two contracts that just went through in Wildwood, um, and I really don't do too much business down there. So it's interesting. A lot of my current clients are actually active in Wildwood, and Ocean City is pretty much asleep. Um, I do see those markets probably getting hit harder. There's probably a lot more opportunity, uh, mainly because there's less demand to buy into that market, and they have um, comparatively to Ocean City or Stone Harbor or Avalon, they have a little bit more inventory.
1: Right. Well, we uh, we really appreciate it. Um, I think Ian Walsh is up next. Those that want to get a hold of Ryan, Jason's going to be sending everybody out. Um, Ryan's you know, contact info, and for everybody that was a speaker on here. Yep. Um, if you haven't been to ocean city new jersey i'll vouch for it it's an amazing <laughs> place minus the no alcohol bring your own beer but it really is an amazing place for your families thanks ryan
11: thank you
3: hey ryan i appreciate
11: it thank you
3: uh ian i'm uh, throwing you up here in a sec I'm already um, up here. Uh, hold on one sec i gotta unmute you uh, there we go all right so ian's gonna hop on with his hmb background for about 10 minutes and then we you know, am i the only
14: guy on this on this how do you not have that background i don't know i mean
3: you you're like cut in half like you're like yeah,
14: the only you're... thing important is, is this and that behind me <laughs> i not, not my stupid face yeah. <laughs> okay I...
3: okay um all right so i gotta unmute chris chris are you unmuted uh because Chris is going to chat. So, all right, we're going to hop on with Ian for a little bit. Ian is our partner. That's, uh, what, what, five, six years?
14: Five or six, six and a half years, man.
3: Years. Right, I should have said six or seven years. Okay, six, <laughs> six or seven years. Um, you know, as everyone knows, uh, Chris and I lend, you know, through HMB in Maryland, Virginia, and DC, and uh, Ian and and also his brother uh, run everything in Philadelphia, or Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware. Uh, there seems to be a mix of kind of both markets. And we were, we were pretty heavy in the DMV area locally. So it's good that we had a bunch of uh, other, other speakers in some of these other areas as well. So uh, Ian's going to hop on for a few minutes. And then after that, uh, maybe like 10, ten minutes, uh, him and Chris, and then after that, uh, raise your hand if you have any questions start raising your hands now and i'm going to go through them one by one and ask any questions and if you have a question for a specific speaker as long as they're still on and most of them are i'll unmute them as well but raise your hand and then we'll unmute you um and you can ask your question chris you're up uh hold on i gotta unmute chris sorry i forgot he was muted uh all right, Chris, go ahead.
0: Here we go. There we are. Okay, cool. Ian, how's it coming over there? How are you? Well, how are you making out?
14: Good, man. Nothing's changed for me. I'm always stuck in my uh, pilot seat at my Ryan. house. That's how I do it. Yeah, so we've been hearing some interesting stuff
0: about what is and what is not shut down in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, not, we haven't gotten so much detail on Jersey yet. Um, can you give us a rundown of that? It's kind of strange because some of uh, real estate has been considered an essential business and some and aspects of it are not do you know the details on that
14: yeah so the, so they put it out they like blanket statement and they're like it just came out one night like everything's shut down it's over game over like all businesses closed and they're like here and here's the list and then the list was kind of like some of it's clear some of it's not some of it they definitely didn't think through because they didn't think about the guy you know they're like okay anything that's not food or medical related to clothes. Well, then it's like, well, what about the guy that has to make the metal for the medical related thing or or supply the piece of this for the food delivery guy? Is that business, you know? So what I've noticed is that like your retail stores and stuff, like I think um, GameStop was recently fined or had their business license removed because they said, we're not shutting down in the face of this. And then they were like, all right, cool. Your business license is gone. So I think like big stores and big places like that are probably gonna get themselves in trouble if they like defy it in that capacity but there's no way to enforce it in terms of like most other non-retail like physical places i think it's just a really a way of trying to project the severity of like stay the hell in your house and stay away from from work um i don't see how they're they're not like hauling people off to jail um but people shouldn't be going into their cubicle you know type stuff that shouldn't be happening
0: yeah for sure i definitely agree on that like we got a similar order here. I mean, they stopped short of calling it here, meaning in Maryland. Um, they stopped short of calling it a shelter in place order. They just ordered the closure of all of the businesses except for the ones considered essential. And there was a lot of real estate related stuff um, on the essential list. Like, I mean, obviously banks and stuff like that. Got to keep the banks moving. Even a non-bank lender, which is exactly what we were. Anything related to construction and, and all the different you know uh, aspects of construction the different kinds of vendors and all that so it left a good amount of wiggle room for us to operate you know Um,
14: yeah they're getting I mean it's tightening every day up here I think it's I guess we're tighter up here than you guys are down there with that stuff right now it sounds like it Um, you know they just announced in Philly that is the 27th so in two days all construction is to cease all construction jobs in Philadelphia cease so that was a specific order that they put out like yesterday. So New, New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania seem to be a hotbed for the virus, and then therefore, like, seems to be leading the charge between them and like California of like the lockdown portion of it. Ian, is that Philly or all Pennsylvania for Philly. The construction right now? Right Just now, Philly. Yeah, because right I mean
3: now. that's it. That's an issue when if that happens, real estate investing is in trouble. Is in trouble short term um, because obviously you can't get permits, you can't do construction, you can't do everything. Things are on hold. Um, permits
14: are already that's already yeah that's already been on hold for sure
3: gotcha
0: yeah a lot of yeah. people are going to feel that you know like the contractors who need to get up and go to work and make their buck 50 a day and i mean obviously the owner of the property i mean just all kinds of people agents you know lenders like
14: yeah right now funny. up here i mean I, i'm sure down there too you know the thing that i've noticed is that like the first few days of this thing was like a vacation for everybody, you know, they're like, Oh, what are you doing with your time? I'm gonna spend some time with my family. And then it's like, Oh, shit, I'm not making any money. And I think within like two to three weeks, I know they passed that stimulus package today, which the market just swallowed in about two seconds, um, going into the close, the, uh, you know, 1200 bucks an adult, I don't know how that's going to prolong the economy. But um, unless the stimulus is really impacting in a very short term future, that vacation mode is going to turn to anger pretty quickly when people don't have money when people don't have money and they've been trapped in their house, like it's not a good look. So two to three weeks from, so two to three weeks from now, it could be, it could be a little bit messy.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. Um, So switching over to the, you know, more positive side of things.
14: Sorry. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm like Debbie Downer. Yeah. Go ahead.
0: No, 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 no. We, I, it's the reality of the situation we're in. Um, So we've been talking about, so with some of the investors on the, on the call, we've been talking about the potential opportunities that are going to come out of this. And also internally, obviously, the HMB team, we've been talking about lending opportunities that are existing now and here into the near future. What kind of stuff do you think is going to be from the lending perspective, since that's what we get up and do every day? The, um, sure. The dual uh, deals, the smart deals, like what's, what's our next 90
14: days look like? in your opinion. I mean, right now I can tell you it's hitting hard. I mean, you, Jay, you know it too, seeing this stuff coming in. Like I, the question I'm getting all day long and I'm just like literally trying, like we are in business, like we are lending. Um, you know, that is like the number one thing is all of our competitors' doors got locked shut tight with Wall Street money disappearing overnight. And um, everybody around here is gone. And so I'm literally the email I'm answering all day long is are you in business? So the short term for, uh, we were built for this. We were designed, our company was designed to, not take the short-term money, not play the price wars. And it's harder when you're in an upswing the way it was for us, it was harder for us. But um, r- at this moment is when we, we thrive. I, and, and I don't mean thrive because I don't like to take advantage of other people's situations. I'm definitely not doing that. All we're gonna end up doing is being in a position where stronger borrowers that were getting like eight and one money, that's disappeared and that's gonna go away and they're gonna come back to us. And the only opportunity that we really get is we get to lend to stronger borrowers newbies are kind of disappearing. Like I've already seen it in the last week. Jay, I know you've seen it too. It's just, you know, newbies, honestly, and this is not a time for you to be in the market. This is a time for you to study or, or take a class or something because you're going to you get crushed in, in this kind of, we haven't even seen the volatility of comps in the next 90 days that are going to change and stuff like that. But from a lending perspective, I have literally had more inquiries probably in the last three days than I've gotten even in the height. So probably about matching the height of like our, lending output it's right back where it was and it's increasing due to the um fallout from other lenders yeah for sure
0: i mean in in our position obviously we have to be cautious moving forward like you were saying comps changing could be seeing these values so we have to be conservative in our lending but yeah i mean the uh our niche the people who stayed private capital stayed lean as a company stayed conservative risk-wise we should come out okay i mean it's gonna be tight it's gonna be tight, there's no doubt about it. But um, yeah, in some ways we were we were designed for the stress test. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, we're, we're fortunate there. And that's not, that's not to say we're not gonna have any headaches because obviously we are. We have outstanding loans with construction projects. If, being. Yeah, healthy. it's just about
14: how much pain do you have to suffer. Everybody's gonna suffer pain, it's about how much. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally, 100%. Um,
0: cool, yeah, Jay, anything you wanted to cover while we had Ian on here? Um, yeah,
3: yeah, I'm just kind of thinking through the next weeks or months and future and not just us as a, our company, but just what investors are going to do if, you know, cause that's different than here. Like it's pretty much business as usual down here. It is, uh, things are open. Things are slower. Title companies are in business. You can go buy and sell a property today and get it on record and do business. You know, it seems from talking to Caitlin and Ryan and now you that, uh, you know, stuff you know, it's, it's hard to conduct business. Like if if I was a, if you sold, Ian, if you had a property and you sold it to me for $100,000 off market, could I go get, go get title insurance and do a closing today and buy it?
14: Um, so all I've gotten back from it, the there are some title companies closing. I don't know if those w- was title already in on some of our transactions. I don't, I, I'm not sure. I haven't put since the last, since Monday, I haven't put a new deal that needed new required title in motion so a lot of title companies are going we're still in business we're, we're doing this and then i'm like well how are you recording this or what's your policy for that or how you know how are you um how are people searching this down at, at down the records down at city hall and so forth so my answer is i'm not sure i could answer that question probably a lot better monday or tuesday in our location after a couple yeah. more deals pop through but the, everything that we've had now has been like title already in motion or it's ready to go so i don't yeah i'm not and, sure and keep in mind most of those counties up there are doing everything you know they can pull abstracts and do stuff
3: electronically you know we've already mm-hmm. we've already double checked that and record electronically, but I guess the point is is if you're not a if you're not allowed to leave <laughs> your house and you're and you're kind of stuck and stuck in places, then you know can can it get done i mean closing in real estate industries is a big issue you know it just affects a lot a lot of stuff so I'm gonna do some more due diligence on that as well and
14: kind, of, kind yeah, of I mean see I guess The virus, right? It's either gonna like one of two things are gonna happen. It's either you guys are about to experience what we're experiencing because it's going to spread down your way, right? Or it's gonna go the other way. And if the quarantine's working, you guys will never experience what we're experiencing up here. So I guess the answer is you know, if it continues to spread, which I think the trajectory is still just like through the roof, you you guys will be soon feeling it. But I don't know, Jay. Like, I'm not. I would definitely say it's not like a booming month or anything, but it's like things are still happening. People are finding a way to get it done. Like deals are being done. The retail end is dead stopped. I talked to I've talked to three big brokers up here and Mike McCann yesterday. Everybody's deadlocked. I mean, it's like twenty percent tops of and it's probably the three biggest brokers and Mike and McCann up here. So like twenty percent tops is what their closings are right now. So that is locked down. Yeah. But I'm saying
3: like yeah, I mean, cause the unknown thing is like, can you close a real estate transaction? Like if I had a closing today, can I go to mm-hmm. a title company or can they send me the information and can I close and get been, it on record?
14: So far up here, yes. I mean, we had three closings today, so. Well, that's true. Um, yeah.
3: Okay, yeah, so I mean, then it is, but then for the most part, business is getting conducted. Um, closings can be in if their office is safe practice. I'm just looking at comments from Caitlin real quick. Um, okay. fair fair enough fair enough all right well i appreciate it um maybe stay on the horn for a second if anyone has a question we're wrapping everything up you know raise your hand now hey uh whoever i'm a host so i can't see how to raise your hand can one of you guys chime in of what to do in order to raise your hand like i think you go to like you hold
0: on i used to know this
3: We have our research assistant, Terry Royce. I'm sure he'll figure it out.
0: (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) We've done this before, and I kind of...
3: I think you might hover over your name instead of pushing rename. Is it right there?
2: Unmute Ian. Oh, is Ian now?
1: He's still muted. I mute myself. I'm here. I'm pretty sure if you click participants... Can everybody see the participants? And then uh, yeah. pull a box up and then you hit raise hand. Now, Jay, I don't know, raise my hand, I raise my hand. Uh, there, we go. Oh, there we go, I saw, I saw there your hand. You. So
3: if anyone has any questions, now's the time to raise your hand. Say that one more time again, how to
1: do it. You go down to participants on your screen. I don't know how to do it. Yep. If you're on desktop, go down to participants, press on that, box will pop up and then there's a raise hand button. Um, and you'll be able to see, so. But either way, it was really interesting to see what everybody had to say all from different uh, points of view from real estate, honestly, you know, from title all the way down to lenders to brokers and even in different um, jurisdictions. That's like uh, someone's saying the more button. I don't know if there's a more button on your screen, but it's just really interesting to see everybody in different jurisdictions, what they're dealing with and how people, the more important part is like, Americans I guess we're just resilient you know the country as a whole they're like okay well there's a roadblock here like let's knock it down do something about it you know I think that's what's awesome um about what we're doing and still getting deals done
3: yeah and I mean I've seen a lot of we we stream this to Facebook live as well um so I was looking at some of those some of those comments and just people and you know investors participating, and I think a lot of people are still very proactive those are that's a big word optimistic You know, again, like we could be negative Nellies on this thing and, and, you know, go home and feel sorry for ourselves, or we could be proactive. And I think the people that are going to be proactive um, and optimistic, I think there's some good times and yeah, maybe the real estate market dips a ton um, in the next few months. That's very possible, especially if, you know, real estate transactions cannot get conducted, but it seems like everyone's optimistic about this and wants to continue to move forward. And I think that there's really gonna be some good opportunities out there. And, you know, if you have an opportunity, you know, I saw some chats that someone says, well, where would I get started if I'm newer? It's, you know, obviously learn everything you can, network with everyone you can, create your sphere with everyone you can, and go look for opportunities and figure out the best one. You know, if, if you wanna if you want to buy one property right now, we'll go try to get 10 of them and cherry pick the best one because that's what it's about. Everyone's gonna be doing that. Um, everyone's gonna be doing that. Your lenders are gonna be doing that. Um, you know if you're you know if you're a whole if someone's a wholesaler they're going to hold off and try to sell to the to the best one and the good you know hopefully you know this knocks out a lot of competition and uh you will see what happens
0: yeah i definitely agree that uh it's a smart move and i've heard a couple people say this too like there are other things that you can do in business besides transactions right so and that could be education whether you're a newer type of investor or or just something you're trying to learn, like self-storage, for example. Maybe you're a veteran investor, but don't, don't know anything about that. I mean, it's a good opportunity to take a step back, be smart, be safe, stay out of the public, and improve yourself so that you might have another skill set when this thing shakes out. Um, and other, I think Mike Shock or somebody mentioned it before. Like other, uh, you know, behind the scenes operational type of stuff that you can work on, whether that's like getting your database together right or you know writing out some new content uh there's there's a lot of things that you can do that aren't necessarily transactions so if we're going to pivot a little bit and focus on that for a period of time then put our foot back on the gas when it when it's uh, back to business as usual right i think it's a smart way to handle this whole situation yeah i think
14: uh oh sorry go ahead, no, go ahead. You, Jay. so uh mike mccann when i was talking, we were talking with him yesterday on that thing and you know he's been through like six cycles like this and he was like he said if you combine two of them this is about the experience we're having it was like nine eleven and Something in the '80s. I don't remember what it was, but he said, "You know, he's like, look, it could be worse. He's like, you could be, there could be a bomb, an atomic bomb being dropped on you, you know, like World War II, or you could be, you know, storming the shores of Normandy. Like, this is not the end of the world. What we're facing right now, it's just adapting to it. And he's doing exactly what you just said, Chris. Is I don't know if you got I don't know if you actually listened to the, what we were doing yesterday, but it's exactly what you just said. He's like, I'm reinvesting in myself, my business, and the people around me. He's like, this is the time to do it and this passes it could be worse and that's like that's just his mentality and i think it's yeah. a really good way to look at it is like this could definitely be worse totally agree and and i mean listen the, the
3: the real estate investors that are the most effective and the best ones are the ones that this is their livelihood and hobby anyways like this is what they want to do you know obviously you take care of your yourself and friends and family and things like that but after that it's like we love doing this and that's why we're active and um about it and we want to make we want to make the, the most out of it so um yeah i mean i i think we're all kind of in agreements that you know who knows who you know like so let's say you do buy a property today for a hundred thousand dollars and it goes down a significant amount you know then you you pick back up and you know you make a wise smart decision on your next asset on your next deal and you just do whatever you can to kind of you know keep keep things moving and you know i'm watching cnbc on my on a screen over here right now and like is there news something something hit the market like 15 minutes ago. Is there Well, news? the Dow's up a ton. And like, it's just funky because every day, it's, you know, down, up, down, up, down, up. Like you can't just, you, you, you freak yourself out, you know, all of a sudden, you know, something's down by 10% and it's like the sky's falling. And all of a sudden, you know, that stock, re, you know, rises 10% back to where it was. The next day it's like, oh, we're at a great healthy market right now. Like it's just, there's a lot of funkiness, inconsistencies. You know, do your own due diligence. Do, you know, what you believe is is, is the best thing. Um, and, you know, we'll see. And I also, another big trend that a lot of people were talking about was, you know, they're not on the sidelines. They're very actively involved, but at the same time, they're gonna pick the best deals that they can get their, their hands on. And, uh, you know,
5: I think it's important.
1: Hey Jay, uh, somebody in the chat was uh, Roger Bremer was asking how to get everybody's information. I know you said you're gonna post it
3: somewhere. Um, well everyone uh, most people registered through the meetup link we had a few hundred people registered through the meetup link so i'll probably just blast it out to that list since everyone's on that meetup list for the most part
1: we'll and start if not, yeah if not you go back to that meetup uh page and you can find oh, we're all on facebook i'm pretty sure everybody that was yeah. today's on
3: facebook you can track us down uh, yeah but i'll i'll get that i was gonna do like a little i was gonna have that done before we got started but uh i didn't yeah i'll uh I'll take care of that tomorrow and make sure everyone has everyone's contact information and what, um, there's still a good, quite a bit of
1: people on here. So I think it'd be beneficial. Uh, if I can ask everybody a question. I'll start with Terry Royce. What do you think your number one takeaway was out of, after hearing everybody?
2: Um, I mean, I don't know if it was anything groundbreaking, just hearing, you know, that a lot of other uh, people that are in this business and have been in it, like, um, you know, it's just be it just reinforces the necessity to be prepared. I think I talked about it with Jay a little bit yesterday, you know, making sure you have capital, making sure you have different contacts. Uh, I think you saw a couple of people in the chat over the course of the last two hours. You're like, oh, I had one lender and uh, they're not lending right now. And it's, it's always useful to just have a lot of different resources. I mean, even Jason talks about it a lot, um, you know, even though their niche is hard money loans, but there's a time and a place for Different lenders, different types of loans, different funding sources, and I think you're going to see a lot of people who have one resource um, scramble, and it's going to create opportunity for those who have uh, better resources, whether it be cash, uh, different lenders, whatever it may be.
1: Yeah, no, that was uh That's a very valid point. That you know, well, you don't need to be the chameleon. You need somebody in your toolbox that's able to get you through a situation, um, which is a really interesting point. I see- uh,
2: I think a lot of people just freeze too. Like when people are like, oh, well, later lenders, it's like, what do I do? They don't just go into like, hey, I'm just gonna hammer the phones and get this done. Like people just freeze up instead of like going into action.
1: Yeah, and I think me and you talked about before we jumped on this call was, you know, if we lost it all, this market just (laughs) flipped and we lost it all, what would we do? we would get back right on the phone and just pound the phone, get right back to our core essential business um, and grind it out. And I think that's the advantage with everybody kind of being on pause, just hearing what Ian Walsh is saying. And my in-laws live up in Montgomery County up there and everything's on a freeze is like, now's a great time just to hit the reset button. I know I've said it a ton of times, but I just, I've never seen a time like this where you can literally sit down, have some time to yourself and go. And there's not a bunch of noise around you. It's very easy to ignore this pandemic thing and concentrate on yourself. Um, I did, yeah. did see a couple other questions in here, Jay. Leanne Santos said her takeaway was we don't stop your momentum, whatever that looks like. That's a very valid point. Um, I know this one came up a few times. I don't know if anyone has a good comment on this uh, from Andrew Jay. What would cause a lender to freeze HELOCs? Um, I think you would have to be personally, I think you have to see a massive crash in the market. Um, I think Jimmy Harris hit it on the head. It's it's not a financial crisis. I mean, Jay, do you have any?
0: Or yeah, I mean, I, I remember when that happened in the 2008 financial crisis, and it's for very different reasons. Like, that was a banking system problem, in, in addition to, like, all kinds of other, you know, financial markets and everything else and all the collateralized debt and all the stuff that brought so many things down. But, I mean, as far as from what anyone can tell, we don't have a banking system problem now. Um, are banks going to get conservative because there might be a dip in the real estate market? Of course, especially commercial freezing helocs? i don't know i don't know different circumstances and probably too soon to say yeah i think we need a lot more
1: fallout and I, I think you know everybody can sit here and speculate and we can all say whatever but that type of stuff that's 12 to 18 months from now when there's realized losses from people not making rent payments and foreclosures happening or people not being able to pay their mortgage payment from this loss of work and they've exhausted all the forgiveness that's been given to them you know so if the forgiveness that's been given so far is what they say it is and it's not going to extend our timelines 12 to 18 let's just call it 12 to 24 months is when you start to see this type of fallout on um, that everybody's sweating so um, if anybody has any other questions stick them up in the chat and if not i think uh jay yeah. you got anything else it's a, it's a good three-hour run fellas yeah it was a solid gentlemen. One.
3: no i think uh think we're good you know maybe we'll do a follow-up to this in the upcoming weeks you know we uh, I know personally we're I'm doing a lot of Facebook lives with with uh, real estate professionals locally just to help spread the word after I talk to them and if I feel like there's good insight to our audience I think that's important Um, you know I've done a few already Chris has done a few and we're gonna continue to do some because you know as we're getting stuff I mean like we talked about when we started we're on the front lines of this stuff and i think a lot of people um you know need to hear some of this information good or bad um because you know we see it i mean we closed the deal today in dc we have a deal closing tomorrow in maryland ian closed the deal um you know in a Phil- few deals in philly this week so we're seeing it we're talking to title companies we're talking to real estate agents we're talking to uh wholesalers buyers sellers every, every title, you know title everybody so like Um, and because we're kind of in the lending industry and we're doing, you know, a good, good amount of business, you know, we're seeing a lot more transactions than, than I think the general investors. So, um, so happy to obviously happy to obviously reach out James. I'll, uh, put my number right here for you on that keypad. Um, but yeah, and you know, we'll continue to, you know, we'll continue to share whatever info we have and, you know, the thing is, is a lot of this stuff's going to be changing day-to-day. Day day. Like like Ian said, in uh, Walsh and Philly, like, they shut down stuff. If we get shut shut down and, you know, it doesn't seem like they want to do that, that seems like that's going to be their last resort. I mean, after Hogan's conference today, uh, you know, schools got pushed, uh, pushed back until the end of April and stuff like that. But I guess we'll see, I mean, as, as things are getting affected. and And listen, if, you know, something gets shut down, you know, God forbid, like, title insurers do stop just real estate's on hold. Well, you know, we reset even more, we learn more, we educate ourselves with more, we're proactive. Maybe we put together a massive marketing campaign that we don't necessarily put out. Maybe we, maybe everyone preps a, a crazy direct mail campaign, but they don't hit it. You know, they don't put send on it until everything's back to normal. And then guess what? You're, you know, you're the, the top person, uh, top person. So whenever there's potential, um, you know, downfall, there's potential a good upside in the future as well. So I guess we should just leave everybody saying be proactive, be optimistic, and obviously stay safe and stay healthy.
0: All right, everybody. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone, for hopping on. Thanks, everyone.